1: one 11, 11 wins to go, and the Philadelphia Phillies are the world champions of baseball, as the great Harry Callas would say. Welcome in, everybody. Happy Friday Eve. It is Thursday. We are hanging out with you. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. That's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. Gunner, beautiful night last night in, yes. in South Philadelphia. But before we get to that, before yeah. we get to that, yeah. I know you got a little, uh, little info uh, from an Eagles standpoint.
2: Yeah, developing story, Rob. Uh, we, we learned that uh, Fletcher Cox uh, had an epidural uh, for a back issue. He's had this back issue for years. And come to find out that Fletcher Cox will not be available to play this Sunday against the Rams. Now, the hope is that he'll be uh, well enough to play next week. Uh, that, that's the the positive anticipation, but it's not guaranteed that he'll be ready to go next week. Mm-hmm. And again, this is a back issue he's had off and on for years now. It's part of the wear and tear of him being in the NFL for as long as he has. And, you know, these little aches and pains creep up even more so. But he was having an outstanding year uh, yeah. up to this point. And uh, we're assuming he will continue to have an outstanding year, but sometimes these black, uh, back issues flare up. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it's flared up uh, this week. So that means he will not be able to play against the Rams this week. Hopefully, he will be back next week uh, to, to get back in the trenches uh, on defense.
1: Okay, that's a that's a big blow. So Derek Gunn reporting that Fletcher Cox will not be playing against the Rams. Had the epidural, try to relieve some of that pain, but uh, by Sunday will not be good enough to go. You're right, he's having an excellent season for them. The yep. defensive tackle spot is you could argue is the, the, the most strength that they have at any position group uh for sure, between the way Carter Davis, he and Milton Williams are playing. So that's, that's a real thing. That's a, that's good information, Derek. Appreciate that, man. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So now,
2: uh, I, I got a bone to pick with you and tone. Oh, See, you know, people don't know this, but every morning on our meetings, you know, we go over what we want to talk about and, you know, share ideas and, you know, I try to close the meetings with, hey, man, you know, I really appreciate you guys, and you guys are like family to me, and this morning, you both simultaneously snickered. <laughs> you just snickered. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know what? I don't like you, and I don't like you. So, therefore, moving forward, I will not extend any more positivity in our show meetings. So, I uh, here's what happens. When you start
1: with one of those things, I'm waiting for the zing to come. I'm waiting for the <laughs> And, and, okay. There usually is a zing. There wasn't a zing today. You were, you were, you were being sincere. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I'm usually like my guard's up. Like, which way is it coming from? I don't know where. Do so I have to look over my shoulder?
2: Where? where and then, and then, yeah. yeah. All right, come here. Give me a hug. You come are on. Rob, that that hurts. It hurts the left side. It pumps blood. You know, I just want you to know that. Yeah, you'll be okay.
1: I think somehow I think you'll 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 muddle through. Uh but no. It, it, believe me. I think you know this. It is The feeling is mutual, my friend. So good hanging out with you. I don't
2: know anything after this morning. I'm just telling you right now. Okay,
1: okay, okay. No, but, man, what a night. I see everybody in the chat excited. I see all you guys. I see Philippe. I see Fitness Rebel. I see Tina. I see Jeremy. I see Christy. I see Father Sean. I see M Spanish Philly, whoever I didn't miss. Scott. Yeah, I see you guys. I see every single one of you guys, and I feel the same way, man. That was absolutely awesome last night. Um, I had a good feeling about Nola and, you know, he went out there and he pitched his, his, his heart out last night. Very cool too. His wife announced that they're expecting too. Yeah, uh, yeah. So congrats to them. That's, that's very cool. But you know, look, the, the way that he went out and the way that Wheeler went out, I uh, mean, I don't care who you're playing. You, when you get pitching like that, you're either going to win or you're going to be in every single game. And they were absolutely awesome.
2: You know, I'm sitting there watching and I'm going, uh, the way he's pitching tonight, all is forgiven in terms of the frustration he generated with the it fan base be a this point. Summer yeah. because that was vintage playoff Nola last night, man, his, his sneaky fastball was, was on point corner to corner. His breaking pitches are dropping off the table. Um, yeah. And that's what we expected to see from Nola much of this season. Unfortunately it didn't happen, but um, when they needed him the most man, follow, especially following up what Wheeler did in game one, Man, you know me. I tell y'all the time. I'd rather see a good pitching duel than a slugfest. Yep. And this next series, I think we're going to see a slugfest because you got two heavy, you got two heavyweights going at it between the Phillies and the Braves. Um, you know, you got the Phillies who had the most home runs in the majors since August, and you've got the Braves who have the most home runs in the entire majors for the season. So you got big boppers up and down the lineup coming up this. This is going to be like softball games, man. I'm yeah. telling you, well,
1: they- coming. Is going to be wild I mean this is Going to be absolutely wild Uh, start, And again we got the game times now Derek we know at least games One and two game one Saturday night will be 607 game two Is Monday weird Usually you go you know two games right Away but there's an off right. day between game one And game two so game one Saturday 607 game two Also 607 but on Monday and these games will both be in Atlanta mm-hmm. Then you come back here Derek for, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday at Philadelphia. Uh, so we don't have the time for those games yet, but that it's going to be unbelievable, man. It really is. Um, and and by the the way, way, fitness rebel, I, I agree. I, I, let me just say, I agree. She's, she's, uh,
2: there she goes kissing up the Rob. Uh, (laughs) Love Uh, my fitness rebel.
1: Um, no, but, but anyway, uh, but no, I mean, he, I think that the big thing is what you're seeing Derek is, like this team has the, they know what it's like to play in the postseason. Last yeah. year went so yeah. was so big for them that, I mean, they destroyed the Marlins. It really wasn't even as close as some of these scores look. They just took exactly. it to them, and you know, big plays along the way, the pickoff where where Birdie in the third inning. That's still a zero zero game when, yes. when when Nola gets him there, Definitely. and then timely double plays. It was all there. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, everything that you need. And then of course when Stott hit Jacks the Grand Slam, oh. that's the exclamation point on the night. Um, you know, you you can't say enough. I mean they held they held the Marlins to two runs for two games, you know, and that's doing something when, yeah. because this Marlins team, a bunch of free swingers, big swingers, and they can score. But the Phillies between Wheeler and Nola and the bullpen all coming together at the same time, man. Uh, you couldn't have picked a better time to hit your stride. And of course, you know, Trey Turner's like just soaking all this up. So he hasn't experienced it like this. Yeah, You know, he was with what, the, he was with the Dodgers.
1: He he won it with the Nats, he was with the Dodgers, but he hasn't had this kind of home field no.
2: advantage anywhere. No. This this uh this crowd at Citizens Bank Park is like going to a college football game to see Ohio State versus Michigan, man. <laughs> That's I mean, a good point. People, you know, these people are rabid, nonstop, standing up. My wife asked me at one point last night during the Phillies game, why are people standing up in the front row? I mean, people are just jacked up. You know, the whole game. Football. The whole game, people yeah. are standing. Yeah. You know. Um, and you know, I'm sure if I'm paying good money and I want to sit down I'm like hey, would you people please sit down so we can watch the game? <laughs> yeah. so that's, that's, you know what? If you have if you go to a Phillies game, just be prepared to stand up for the majority of a nine-inning game because people are at a fever pitch. They understand this team is much better lineup wise with the likes of Trey Turner in it. Yeah. Um, And you look at, they've started hitting their stride in August in terms of the long ball. Um, Dude, this, you know, I'm not surprised they beat the Marlins. I was worried about the Marlins, but now I can't wait to see this heavyweight battle get underway because, you know, from Atlanta side, they're thinking, Hey, the Phillies ended our season last year Yep. from the Philly side hey, we got two wins away from winning it all last year. We're on a mission. So you got two heavyweights on a collision course right now. Man, it's going to be knockdown drag out. And, and right now the Braves pitching staff is hurting a little bit. They are banged up. I mean, there's no question about that. Yeah, I mean, and and I think about
1: it too, Derek. They did this without Bryce Harper really going off. He didn't do much. You know, it was a lot of other yeah. guys picking it up. Obviously, Stott with the slam. Real has been excellent through the first two games. Boehm with some clutch hits like he always delivers. Uh, you know, uh, you know, obviously uh, there, there's a lot of other guys, Pache Rojas had a couple of big hits for them. Um, but yeah, it's been across the book. Castellanos, a couple doubles in game one. It's been across the board, really everybody contributing here. You're yeah. not just leaning on one person. I mean, you know, and, and they faced two good starting pitchers the last two nights and, and, and neither guy got deep into the game for, uh, for Florida, for, for the Marlins and the, and the, both the Phillies guys were outstanding where, I mean, let's face it, Derek. The, you really, beyond – I know it was 0-0 zero, zero into the third, but the way Nola was pitching, I, I, this was not a – neither game was stressful.
2: Really, neither no. game was no. stressful. Now, and you, and you said last night you had a sneaky feeling we were going to see Vintage Nola last night, and sure enough, it's exactly what we got, man. You know, yeah. Um, what what did he finish with? Five strikeouts, I believe it was? He didn't strike out a ton. No, actually, it was a a low strikeout total for him, which is
1: rare. He's usually a a big strikeout guy. He didn't have a lot of strikeouts in the game. I think he had three, something like that. But look, he was in total command. He could have gone longer. I mean, you you, could could have thrown him out there in the eighth. There's no question about it. But, you know, the good thing is he didn't really have to overdo it. Uh, I think he threw like 88 pitches or whatever it ended up being. So you're going to have for game two... Wheeler three Nola. No, is the way yeah. the question is, and, and and uh, Rob Thompson hasn't announced it yet. Who's going to pitch game one in Atlanta on Saturday? If, if you're asking me my guess, my guess is he goes with Suarez, he takes the experience over Sanchez, who pitched Whoa. great this year for them, but he doesn't have the same level of experience. I think it'll be
2: Suarez. Oh, um, I'm, I'm tending to agree with you. Um, Suarez is well rested. Uh, he should be good to go, and he will be in his home park, so he will be feeding off of that, you know, his as home well. Park. Well, yeah. I
1: I think he I think that the good thing about Ranger Suarez, I think he's a big moment guy, and I also he he is also someone who doesn't get caught up in hype. He's he's always the same. He's he's a non-pulse kind of guy. Yeah, great,
2: yeah. He'd be a consummate poker player. You don't know yes. what he's thinking. He would never tip his hand. His uh, facial expressions, you would never know whether he has no. a good hand or a bad hand. Um and and whether he's home or away, crowd noise pro or con doesn't affect him. You know, now we just have to make sure he's the Suarez we want. Yeah, want make sure he's
1: dialed in. No, yeah, know. that's that's the biggest thing. But yeah, they um, they, it, it, they look like a team that was sort of not not I would say they they weren't pacing the Phillies weren't pacing themselves during the regular season, but they look like a team once it got real. They had the ability to go to that gear. There's an extra gear that some teams have that 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 ability to go to, and they absolutely, you know, clicked in last the, the last two games and just really took that team apart. Yeah, you know, the beauty is you don't have to play tonight. It's it's not tooth and nail. You didn't crush your bullpen. You know, having to, having to use guys, you, you went you know used a few guys on 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 in game one, but last night it was just basically like they used the kid, Orion Kettering, right? He came in and pitched great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Soto ended the game. He pitched the last inning. But it really wasn't a situation where, like, Alvarado or Kimbrell or any of no. any of your big guns, Sir Anthony, got overdone. They're all going to be really well-rested going into this game, as is the team. No You're going to have off Thursday, Friday,
2: and, play and then Saturday. you don't play till Saturday, yeah. two days off. See, Chuck Hutton says maybe Acuna will cramp up from inactivity. <laughs> Wishful thinking. I don't think that's going to happen. The season Ronald Acuna has had this year – that's wishful thinking, but I don't see that happening the way that dude's playing right now. The only the only thing you ever, if you're an
1: Atlanta fan, the only thing you ever worry about him is you know where's his head at sometimes. True, like a, like an example was last year with Real Muto's inside the park home run. It kicks off that wall and 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 Karim's yeah. into right. He didn't even move. Like no, dude, just, you got to be backing that up. So weird. that's the only issue with Acuna is he just falls asleep sometimes or you know, will be a little
2: bit, little bit of a showman sometimes, which gets himself in trouble. That's awkward. Yeah, but Rob, that dude created his own club this year, 40-70 club. Huh. That's unheard of. 40 home runs, 70 stolen bases? I That's would say from of. a
1: talent standpoint, Derek, uh, maybe Otani. He, he's right there with Otani in terms of talent, like like just baseball talent, Ronald
3: Acuna Jr.
2: I agree. The, and it would be debatable. who do you, I think it's a flavor of the day. Who do you like more and why? Yeah. Yeah. You know, with those two. I love yes. watching both of those guys play. Um, Acuna, I know he's playing for the. You know, I, I have to say this uh, because I just love watching great athletes. Um, I know he's playing for the enemy, but I'm going to look forward to watching him play, especially at the plate. I love his bat presence. I love how he's a competitor. He works a pitcher. And when he gets on bases, he makes he a makes picture think more about than just focusing on, on delivering a strike to the plate. You always have to be aware of where he is and he might he don't care what base it is, he's gonna steal a base, you know. Yeah and with the way you know, you on one hand you have a Schwarber who's hitting forty six home runs. You got this dude leading off of them who's got a forty seventy club all his own. The matchups up and down the lineup. I mean, these are two teams that there are no weak links from one through nine. We always talk about how the Phillies have no weak link one through nine. Atlanta has no weak link no. one through nine in their batting arsenal. Look, I mean, this is a team,
1: they won 104 games. They scored the most runs in baseball. They tied the re- Major League Baseball record with 307 home runs. I mean, this is this is a nasty, nasty team. And, you know, the, the Phillies last year hit Spencer Strider in the playoffs. But yeah. if you look at Spencer Strider's numbers against them in the regular season, it is about as dominant as you can be against the Major League team. It's that good. So that's yeah. going to be the the big question is do do they – is it going to look any different than the regular season when you face him in that, in that first one? So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for sure. Um, All right. So we, we told you about Fletcher Cox, Derek had the the breaking news. If you're just tuning in that what he's hearing is Fletcher Cox will not be able to play against the Rams because of the back uh, issues that he's suffering from. He had an epidural to try to relieve some of that. Um, But they play the Rams this, this week. So we got a lot in store for you today. We have Mike Sealski coming up at 12 o'clock. We'll talk Phillies, Eagles mixing some Harden as well, because he did practice yesterday, Derek. Uh, we'll talk to Mike at 12. At 1 o'clock, we'll talk to Tim Parker. Derek and I used to work with Tim back in the day at nope. NBC Sports Philadelphia, and Tim's gone out to L.A., and and he back in the day he was a producer. Now he's in front of the camera uh, as a reporter for Spectrum News and uh, Southern California and Spectrum Sportsnet southern california so we'll get the latest from tim on what's going on with the rams the, the they they're taking it real cautiously with uh with stafford and the hip gunner so they're being careful with him um and we'll, we'll get it, we'll get all the lowdown on what's going on with them out there so i'm looking forward to, to talking to tim that's gonna be fun
2: well you know when you come to matthew stafford and you're talking about a hip uh they're gonna be extremely cautious with him because um you know, he's going to get the, the cold, hot treatments on that hip. He's going to get the electrolysis treatment, you know, try to stimulate the tissue and stuff in there and to uh, loosen that thing up. And, you know, he's going to take a lot of hits on it in the game, especially because he loves – Stafford's one of these quarterbacks. He loves the, the play-action rollout pass. He loves the, he loves to throw on the run. So they're going to do everything they can to make sure. Um, and let's face it, um, the Rams have surprised people in a lot of ways up to this point in the season. They're two and two right now, and they've got a couple of young receivers that are really catching people's eyes. And on top of that, we might see the 2023 debut of Cooper Cup. I'm hoping he's still a week away from me, but it looks like he could be playing this Sunday, uh, which a suspect Eagles pass secondary does not need to see this week.
1: No, I mean when you consider what the other, you know, what their other guys have done with him not there. woof. I oh, mean, my- with what Puka's done, what Tutu Atwell's done. You throw him in there with Higby, you know. I, I know, like the Eagles have faced some pretty good receivers so far, Mike Evans and uh, Terry McLaren last week. But the this combo is is nasty
2: that they're getting. Yeah, yeah. and they're twenty two and they're twenty three years old. These young kids, yeah, uh, Nicoa and two uh, two at well twenty two mm-hmm. twenty three. They're still learning their way through the game, and and Nicoa is one of the top receivers in the league this year. Yeah, now, well, but right
1: now he's on pace he's gotten to these receptions and yards faster through four games than anybody ever has in the NFL. I mean, That's it's, it's crazy. crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So I never, I never heard of him
2: when he came out of BYU. I didn't know who he was until a couple of
1: weeks ago. We started no. looking at his numbers. I, I, Derek, when I looked at them before the season, that Rams team, and, and especially knowing that Cooper cup wasn't going to be able to start the year. I, I thought, I thought they're going to be terrible. I, I give, yes. I give McVay credit. I give their front office credit for finding these guys. And the way that they've developed them, Uh they've yeah, the Ram, this will be a challenge of a game for the Eagles. I'm telling you, I, I, I really hope birds fans don't think this is a rollover. I, I, I get it. A lot of, a lot of them are headed out to LA. It's going to be a party out there. Believe me, it's going to be awesome. Yep. But this game on the field, I think is going to be tough. I think it's gonna be a tough game.
2: I do too. And the Rams, you know, they haven't won a home game this year. So that's huge for them. They've won two in a row. Haven't won at home this year. So it's huge. And again, Rams know who's coming to town. This is like their Super Bowl. Week five is like their Super Bowl, as is the case with everybody who plays the Eagles who were the runners up in the Super Bowl. So they're going to be jacked up in front of their home crowd, you know, which is going to have a large Eagles contingent, but they're going to be ready to play against this Super Bowl team who everybody picks once again to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And as we've seen through three of the Eagles' first four games, you know, counting out the Tampa game, um, everybody has made the Eagles sweat right down to the very end, you know, and you think in two of the Eagles games, previous games, it came down to a catch on the sideline, which stopped an opponent's drive, potential game-winning drive. Two games, sideline catches were the difference between the team continuing a drive and stopping the drive in a fourth down situation. Yep. Yep.
1: Absolutely. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a good one. It is going to be a good one. Now I I touched on it elsewhere. Um, James Harden did practice yesterday. With the Sixers, Derek, there were no <laughs> no incidents, no yeah. anything. Everybody said the right things. Harden didn't talk, but you know the Nick Nurse said all the right. He, hey, he was full participant, you doing whatever needed to be done. You know, blah blah blah. So, I I will tell you this. I that's fine. That's all well and good. Something's coming.
2: Yeah, something's
1: yeah. coming. I don't know what. I don't know. Something's coming. I, just yeah. mark my words.
2: From all the video clips you saw on Twitter slash X, um, he's running the floor. Yep. Um, he looks like he's in shape. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a, it's a good first day because, you know, the Sixers' breath, uh, brass is holding their breath, waiting for something. And day one turned out to be a smooth transition. Nick Nurse said all the right things. He looked good. He engaged. You know, that's all you can ask for at this point. But you're right. I, I think he's there with another promise something is going to happen. Right, that's what I think.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. It, it, you're right. If you're, <clears throat> they'll never say this, but Daryl Morey and those guys are like, oh, all right, we got through today. What does tomorrow bring? You know, it's 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 one of those deals. So uh, again, we'll talk to Mike Sealski about all those kind of things in a little bit. the 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 other crazy thing, just back to baseball for a minute. Every wild card series was a sweep. Yes, isn't that weird? It's crazy. Isn't that something? A bunch of teams rode. I mean the the the. Uh, the um, Arizona Diamondbacks, yep. you know, road team who took care of the, of their business and, and played really well. The Rangers in in Tampa,
2: so that that's that's pretty crazy.
4: That, that I'm surprised.
2: I'm surprised Minnesota bumped Toronto in two straight. I thought yes. that would go. To, I thought that would go to a full three games. I'm well, surprised. you saw what
1: happened in that game. They lifted their starting pitcher who was dealing yes. after only forty seven pitches. Yes. Like, what are we doing here? But I wonder, wonder why did they lift him? it was a it was an awful awful decision and john schneider is a i like john schneider as a manager but and he said you know it's fair to second guess me for the early hook it was just dumb he so we threw three shutout innings Derek, 47 yep. pitches and they lifted him he was
2: yeah and then and then they took advantage of it there's no there's no no news out there you know, arm strain anything like that um you just lifted a dude the dude was dealing you're you're at you're in a desperate situation. If you don't win the game, you're done. Nope. and the guy was dealing; he was in the mm-hmm. zone. You took him out. Could you imagine if Rob Thompson had done that with Nola last night? and oh, he, 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 he would be. It would be insanity. It would be insanity. They would yeah. crush you today. He'd be crushed today.
1: Yeah, he forty-seven pitches, three hits allowed, no runs, total unbelievable. control, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah.
2: So,
1: and, and, and Barrios, you know, he said afterwards, "I just control what I control. I pitched my ass off." What else can he say? No, I'm saying like, yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, he can't, he's in a no-win, you know, he can't, he can't say anything, but it's, uh it, it's what's emblematic of baseball where it's not enough gut. It's not enough eyeballs and it, and it's too many, you know, printouts in, in analytics. It's just ridiculous. It really is. Um, All right, let's, let's do this, Derek. Let's come back. Let's dig in a little bit heavier here uh on the birds and, you know, the, the, the absence of Fletcher Cox and how this may play out, because guess what? It's not just Fletcher Cox. I'll give you the injury report from yesterday. It's, you know, it's a little concerning because there, there are some key players here who may not be able to go again. We don't know anything official yet. Uh, we'll have a better handle on when the injury report comes out today, but we'll get into that. We'll get into to the Rams, what they present, where they rank all those good things when we come back. So don't go anywhere. That's Derek Godd. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Bravo Pizza of Havertown because it's perfect time right now. 11.30, right? Get a little hungry. You just head over to Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I've been going there since I was a kid. They've been family owned since 1985. You got Alex and his great, great crew. They're there seven days a week just cracking out the best food There is. I can promise you that. They have 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. They have the you name it, they will make it. Specialized pizza your way. I like the grandma. I like the upside down. Uh, They don't just do pizza. They do fresh pasta. They do sandwiches. They do wraps. They do wings. They do salads. And they're also committed to the community. This is one of the great things about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. They have fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You could follow them at the Bravo Of, at the Bravo of, on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They are located at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania. 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. Give them a call right now, 610-446-3810. That's 610-446-3810, Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Take a look.
5: I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget.
0: Go to get your game on.
6: Field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
4: Three, one, two, three, because
6: Philadelphia one. dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
2: Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner.
4: Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now.
1: Soganow helps kids in under resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of
7: our communities where light and love are needed most.
4: When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now.
1: Welcome back everybody. Appreciate you hanging out with us on this Thursday. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take. Please hit the like button if you could, friends, uh, and subscribe if you have not already. We appreciate you hanging out with us. And those of you who are new, welcome in. Uh, And those of you who have been hanging out with us, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So um, just to reiterate what Derek said a little bit earlier, Fletcher Cox, uh will be out for this game according to what he's hearing according to Derek's sources with a with a back injury uh that he's been dealing with it's been nagging him this season and you know finally just got to the point where it'd be a little bit too much for him uh he did receive an epidural they're hopeful that he'll be able to play the following week Derek is that correct i don't want to put words in your mouth but is that what you're hearing
2: that that's what the goal is but it's not a guarantee that he will be ready next week it it looks good right now but there's no guarantee you know with these back um Type injuries whether it's a spasm or whether it's that sciatic i I should know because i deal with the sciatic stuff um you know it feels good one moment all you can do you all of a sudden you make a sudden move one way or the other and that thing flares up again but you know an epidural is the best way to 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 calm that thing down right and so uh hopefully as as a precautionary measure um it's in their best interest to just let him sit this one out let that thing heal up and hopefully get him back on the field next week against the jets all right so look there.
1: I'm not going to sit here and put a good spin on this because that's a big loss Fletcher Cox, but here's what I'll say. You're going to get extended snaps for Jalen Carter, which, you know, some people have been calling for anyway, with as good as he's been playing Derek. So I, I think, you know, potentially you could see a really big game out of him. Um, you know, Jalen Carter extended snaps, probably extended snaps for, for Jordan Davis, but here's the thing. They're also, let me just go through the, the injuries here real quick. So in addition to Fletcher Cox, and this is coming off of Wednesday's injury report, because we don't have Thursdays yet, okay? Um, but a couple things that we're hearing. Concussion for Britton Covey did not practice. That's not great. Britton Covey's been an excellent returner so far this year. Uh, we This one we expect Cam Juergens with the foot. Cam Juergens is not going to play in this game. We know that. And it could be several weeks for, for Cam Juergens. That much we know. We know Sua Opetta will step in there at his position. Uh, Marlon Tui who, who has been very good, you know, that's another Derek, If he didn't practice. So if he's down with the triceps and Fletcher's down, that's two bodies on your interior D line. I mean, you still like that. You have Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis and and Milton Williams. No No, doubt. There's other guys you can move inside who can handle themselves, you know, from time to time. We know that too. Um, but you're, you're, you could potentially be down two guys if that's the case. Um, limited with Sidney Brown with the hamstring good news is full practice for Justin Evans full practice for Quez Watkins so that that's that's your injury report right now so little little thin there BG could move inside as Robert said he's right BG has no problem moving inside and he's effective in there uh especially with his pass rush so yeah you could see that
2: even with um the, the the injuries the little nicks and pains that are piling up um from, from the Eagles squad, they still have enough talent to go out there and get the job done. Yep. Um, but they're going to have to be on their P's and Q's. You know, um, we've talked about and broken down, you know, every game, and it's because what we do is what we're called to do. And, you know, we talk about the positives, but there are some glaring weaknesses that we've seen up to this point that have been a consistent pattern. And, and Rob, as you know, in the game of football, when you you have these same inconsistent patterns, sooner or later they catch up to you. Yep. And you hope this is not that game. Again, the Rams are not one of the heavy heavyweight juggernauts they're going to face on their schedule this year. But the Rams are a formidable opponent. And if they t- go out there and take them lightly, if they're not on their P's and Q's, it could be a long day for the Eagles. You know, luckily you're playing an injured Matthew Stafford. But I guarantee you, Sean McVay, who's one of the best offensive minds in all of football, is going to alter that game plan um, to play to Matthew Stafford's strengths and 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 try to not irritate that that hip injury that he's yeah. dealing with. And again, we don't know to what degree it's bothering him, but the fact that they're taking a light on him, him this week tells me there is some concern about that thing flaring up. Yeah. Um so with that said, the Eagles better hit the ground when they when they land there Saturday, they better hit the ground focused um because everything we keep hearing the last couple of weeks about their running game these young receivers that have the possibility of Cooper Cup coming back, and we know how dangerous he is Mm -hmm. if he's deemed healthy enough to come back, and a Rams defense that doesn't have a lot of big names that it had just a few years ago when they won the Super Bowl, but it's a defense that has rallied around Aaron Donald and has played well for the most part.
1: They have. They have. I'll I'll give you – and by Mr. Tad, I think he's having fun. Um, But, yes, I said it, Britton Covey. He is one of the better punt returners in football. And, yes, he has a concussion, so that could be a big deal if he can't play. He didn't practice yesterday. And I know he's partially having fun there, but it's true. Uh, All right, let me give you some numbers just to back it up, Derek, of what what you're talking about here. Puka Nakua, okay, through four games, has 39 catches for 501 yards, 12.8 yards per catch, and a touchdown. He's averaging per game 125 yards receiving. That is phenomenal,
2: okay? Yeah, you know, I don't mean to cut you off, but, you know, I've jokingly said the last couple of weeks, we, we've mentioned this Puka Nakua. I said, you know, I would love to see if I could use that in a Scrabble in a Scrabble game. <laughs> you know, years ago, um, you know, we would play Scrabble with the family and my wife is meticulous. And, you know, you know me, I hate losing that tiddlywink. So I haven't played in years because I hate losing to her. You know, um, I'll see if, if we do ever play again. I'm going to see if I can use that. <laughs> You got to pull that out of the back pocket, man. Be ready with that one. Yeah, yeah I agree. See, see, the funny thing is, though, anytime I try to make up a word, she goes, yo, really? Let's look at the Scrabble dictionary. Because if you if you go to the dictionary and you don't find a word it doesn't there, I think you lose points or something. I or think you're term, right. I think you're something right. Like that. So yeah. I got to I gotta get me a Scrabble dictionary, see if, if the word puka is <laughs> even in the It <laughs> doesn't have a, a broader meaning. It's uh, got to have a broader meaning somewhere, man. Good you
1: know? point. You know, it's it's weird. The BYU receivers are usually smaller guys. Yeah. He's not. He's 6'2", 205. He's got good size. Um, he was a fifth-round pick this year. He was the 177th overall, and he's giving him that kind of production, man. That's that's uh, it's, it's darn good. And then Tutu Atwell has 22 catches, 270 yards. That's also more than 12 yards per catch. You remember, he was he was a second-rounder in 2021. It's taken him a little while to kind of Start to establish himself. He was behind guys like Cup and Van Jefferson and those guys, but yeah, but he's he's starting. You know, look, we always talk about next man up. Well, these two are great examples of of next man up and taking advantage of someone else's misfortune. You know, and 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 really establishing yourself. It's it's phenomenal.
2: And the thing is, these two young kids are getting all the notoriety. Van Jefferson, who has played all four games, only has eight catches. He's not. He he's had
1: some drops. He's not. He's I, had, I, I thought he was going to develop at a, at a quicker
2: rate than he has. He's taken kind of a step back. Now, granted, you know they have four receivers that are averaging almost thirteen yards a catch. Yeah, four receivers. Okay, and that includes the tight end Tyler Higby. Right, but again, Jefferson's like an afterthought because of these two kids, Nikoa and Atwell. Yeah, you know, um, like you just said, Nikoa has five hundred one yards. Atwell has two seventy. Higby has one hundred ninety six. And then Jefferson checks in at 108. Right. But their average yards per catch 12.8, 123, 12, 123 12, and 135. You know, and then they have another tight end who only has two catches, this uh Bryson Hopkins, he's averaging 13 yards a catch. You know. Yeah. They have they have 18 in four games. They already have 18 pass plays of 20 or more yards. <laughs> yeah, they they are a, they are an effective Passing team. I mean, it, Stafford's
1: numbers aren't aren't great. I mean, they're not going to blow you away. His yardage is just solid. You know, twelve hundred yards, but three touchdowns, five picks. You know, and he's been sacked nine times. So it's yeah. it's not. I'm not telling you they're world beaters, and and they run the ball solid. Kyron Johnson or Kyron Williams, uh, the kid out of uh, Notre Dame, has been yep. solid for them. You know, he's he's under three or uh, four yards per carry. So they're they're definitely. Much more of a passing team. This is where the Eagles' pass rush is going to be key here to to getting to Stafford. Because not only can it nullify the passing game, if he's hurt and you get some shots on him, he's going to be in trouble in this game. He may not finish this game if you get some real hard hits on him.
2: Now, Washington was the first team that had a decent measure of success running the football at this Eagles front. Yeah, I'm waiting to see if the Rams try to emulate some of the things that Washington did and how. Um, because I was surprised with that porous offensive line that Washington has. They were able to gain 107 yards rushing on this Eagles defense. And as we know, with it being a copycat league, the next man up is going to try to emulate some of the things that the predecessor did to see if they can have a decent measure of success. Um I'm not too well versed on the Rams' offensive line in terms of what they are and what they're not, mm-hmm. but you know, you know they're going to try. You have to try to run the ball to balance out the offense. You sure. have to to make them respect you. Yeah, the thing, worries, the thing that worries me the most is is that Stafford's averaging of uh, 307 yards a game passing, that, and the Eagles. What's the big Eagles' biggest problem? They're giving up over 260 a game in the, the past. Yeah, so that that worries me in that, in that regard. So I would imagine the Rams are going to come out throwing um to try to loosen up this Eagles defense. I would imagine that too. Um I you know, I wonder like how
1: if you're if you're McVay, who obviously is a very, very smart guy, do you stay with your strength, which is passing it and say stop us? And clearly the Eagles have issues stopping the pass. Or do you try to protect Stafford as much as you can and run it a little bit more than you normally would? I, I mean it's a tough, it's a tough balance. I I don't know how far you want to get away from passing the ball if you're
2: him. I don't I, I don't, don't really know, know uh to what degree they're going to run, but if they're having success through the air, especially if Stafford's getting the ball out of his hands quickly, why would you change that MO? If if you're if you're tattooing the Eagles through the air, yeah, you know, I would throw the ball 40 times a game and run it just to make them play you honestly. You know, JM says 60 60% pass plays. Okay, if they stay true to that and they're having a good measure of success, you're not going to change that formula. You know, if if they've got this Eagles defense on his heels with the passing game and especially if Cooper Cup plays, you know, one thing about McVay, he likes to run a lot of crossing patterns. Yep. And I don't care how good your secondary is. You know, there's a lot of confusion back there in terms of, okay, you play this zone, you play this zone and this one cross. You take that. There's a lot. You know, it only takes. It only takes a frash- fraction of a second for a receiver to find that open window, especially if you got three receivers running crossing routes, and all of a sudden the tight end curls out, sets in a hole, and he's wide open because the back end is trying to cover these three receivers. That's a problem. Oh That's yeah, problem. So yeah. and Higby's a good one. Tyler Higby's a good one. He's a sure-handed catcher, and he he can get the yards after the catch. Uh, so it's gonna be an interesting matchup. If, if hopefully the Eagles front can you know without Fletcher Cox can get to to. Uh, Stafford get him off his spot get a couple shots on that hip slow him up a little bit but if not game's gonna be a lot closer than it should be
1: yeah I think it's gonna be points scored in the game Derek anyway either way I think if Stafford stays healthy if he can stay upright throughout the game they're gonna have you know they're gonna have success in the air it's just it's just kind of the way it's gonna go for a little while here I mean the good news is you might get Sidney Brown back it looks like you're getting Justin Evans back um, you know, from an Eagle standpoint. And I, and I have no doubt that, that the Eagles are going to be able to, to do some things. I mean, the passing game returned last week. They they still, even though they didn't go crazy running the ball, they ran the ball effectively last week. They had four yards per carry out of DeAndre Swift. So I, I think the, I think it's going to be points scored on both sides. I mean, I, I was looking at the, the over under was 50 last time I checked. Let me just double check and see where it's at now. But um, yeah, obviously that's a big total for a game, but I don't think that's, I don't think it's too far off. Actually it's yeah, it's 50. It's gone up to 50 and a half. I'm, I'm just seeing if there's any other over unders this week that are that high. And I don't think that there, oh, there's one, there's only one game with a higher total and that's the chiefs okay. and the Vikings. Okay. It's 52 and a half. So, Jeez. you know, Vegas is looking at this as a high scoring game and I, and I agree with Vegas. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. What What's the over under again? Eagles are 50 and a half, 50 and a half points. Woo.
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they're averaging 28 a game. They should be able to score 28 on this Rams defense. Can he keep the Rams from scoring 28 plus? Yeah, that's the big
1: question. I mean, so if you look at the Rams, Derek, they've, they won both of their road games. Uh, impressive win in Seattle. That I mean, you can look at it either. They caught Seattle early, where Seattle didn't quite have this figured out yet. Well, I look at it as a quality win. Seattle's played very good football. Uh, for most of this season so um you know props there but they won on the road at the colts who were who have been solid so far you know it was a walk-off touchdown catch yep yep and then they lost at home to the niners a game that was pretty competitive to san francisco and, uh, and and a Bengals team that's really struggled so they've lost their home games but won their road games so far
2: well, right now, this Rams defense is ranked ninth overall. They're giving up 185 yards passing, 111 rush. But here's the key. They're only giving up 21 points a game. Now, yeah. I don't think that defense can stop the Eagles from scoring 20, at least 25 points in this game. But then again, it comes down to the turnovers, protecting the football. Um, and they're playing at home. And, and I'm sure McVeigh is beating it in their head. Yeah. We have not won at home yet. It's imperative we win at home. We have to win at home. Right. Um, And, you know, offensively, you know, right now the Rams are fourth in the league offensively. Yeah, they're right ahead of the Eagles offensively. And they're averaging 25 points a game. Eagles averaging 29. Um, The Rams are averaging 104 yards rushing a game. But the key is they're averaging, uh, according to this stat, 289 passing. And that's the key. Can the Eagles defensively in the passing game? Number one, get to Stafford make him uncomfortable number two can they defend those receivers of those three receivers and I'm not including Cooper cup but if Cooper cup out there they have four problems to deal with in the passing game
1: yeah and he practiced yesterday so we'll see we'll see how it goes but yeah I mean just just go to the other side let's go to their defense like you pointed out they're they're just a tick ahead of the Eagles in terms of points allowed you know per game they're doing a nice job yep. this year uh, so far 21.3 uh passing game. For the Rams, uh, pretty good so far too. I mean, they're in the top ten, Derek. They're they're only allowing in the air yeah. a buck eighty four point eight, which yep. is which is good. You know, in comparison, the Eagles are giving up 260.
2: That's a huge difference. Yeah. There. Yep. And that's where you I'm know? concerned. Yeah. And then, uh, then 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 if, if let's say the Eagles are playing from behind again, um, then you gotta deal with that man Aaron Donald. <laughs> you know. Now, here's the thing. Aaron Donald's played the Eagles four times. He has never had a sack against the Eagles. They have traditionally done a nice job against him. yeah and a nice job against him, and I guarantee you he will be the focal point of defending um, against this Rams defense on Sunday as well. No
1: doubt. He's uh, the guy you start with, and then
2: everybody else you branch off onto. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Eagles, from tackle to tackle, have enough along the offensive line to contain everybody else. But you better double up that dude, Aaron Donald, um, you've had a good measure of success in the past. You better make sure you have that same kind of success this time for sure.
1: Let me ask you, is, is this, I, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier that we all feel pretty good about. Suo Opetit stepping in there for a couple reasons. One, he's a, he's a very competent backup Two, Stoutland coaching him up three, the guys that he's with. So I think for all those reasons, you feel good about him, but this could be a game where you, where Aaron Donald is, is lining up on him. Um, a little more cause for concern there, you know, as far as that
2: no, piece of I'm it goes. I'm very confident in Opeta. Um, You know, that's why again, that's why you see Jeff Stoutland cross training offensive linemen, and when Opeta's in there, um, especially in the running game, he's as solid as anybody you can put in there. Now, across the board, the pass, the pass uh, protection has not been as consistent as we thought it would be. But I'm not worried about putting a pet in there. That's the luxury these Eagles have with their offensive linemen that most teams don't. We've seen time and time again, go back to last year and even this year, um, when a frontline offensive line guy is is down, uh, you can see it's a glaring weakness along other teams' offensive lines. The only time it was a glaring weakness for the Eagles is when Jack Driscoll had to play right tackle filling in for Lane Johnson, and that was a glaring weakness. But once they put Driscoll back at guard, he was fine. You know, now who's on the right side behind Lane Johnson? I mean, I'm not saying Lane Johnson is going to get hurt in anything. That could be a problem. But when you, you can slide a payday at in, in, in either guard spot and it, in, in it doesn't miss a beat. That's, that's a lot of credit to the way these guys are coached up. Agreed. I, agreed. I, I, I am interested.
9: I want
1: to go back to something you said earlier. You know, we, we saw the passing game return last week in in a, in a, in a big way um up until that point they had really leaned heavily on the run game for the most part the, you know the rams are pretty good overall defensively i i wonder what the approach is i wonder if you just you know how you go at at this thing i see what i would try and do Derek. early is you're coming off success last week throwing i would throw early see where i, would, I get with it
2: yeah i would too. you know why not you know i mean I don't think the Rams can stop their run game. I really don't, but I would come out throwing at them. I'm looking at the Rams personnel and I'm thinking, you know, who the heck are these guys? You know, the kid, O'Kella Witherspoon who was a former first round pick. He's not even starting in their secondary. You know, that cornerback now, Um, you know, he, he, I'm sorry. He was a third round pick uh, back in 2017. He's not even starting. Um, You know, you look at the names that are starting for the Rams on the back end of their defense. Um, you know, you have this Michael, my, wait, uh, was it Darian Kendrick, mm-hmm. Russ yeast and Kobe Durant. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's Oops. not a,
1: it's not a household name
2: group, you know, but they've, but they played well, you know, a lot of times all you have to do is form a, a certain amount of cohesiveness to be successful. And they, they've had a measure of success. I mean, you have to give them credit, you know, where credit is due. Um, now, let's see what they can do against this Eagles team. So they're going to be jacked up. It's, it, they're 0 and 2 at home. Uh, this is their Super Bowl. They know if they can win this game. They're right there, right there, bird dog in the 49ers. They can't afford to get too far behind the 49ers and Seattle. They understand this. Um, and that's why I expect this to be a very competitive game, a high scoring game, competitive game. And who knows? It could come down again to whichever team has the ball last.
3: Yeah.
1: And this is also where we're going to start finding out if, you you know, Desai and the group are capable of adjusting with the personnel that they have, meaning, is this a matter of just getting young guys acclimated, getting them better, having maybe Justin Evans back and uh, Sidney Brown back certainly could help, but, or is it just, unless they make some kind of trade, you're going to have to live with some real issues on the back end here.
2: Yep. Um would you go so far I would go so far as to say the Rams are the best offensive challenge the Eagles will face up to this point because of Sean McVay of the of the opponents the Eagles have played so far. I think McVay is the best offensive challenge because he's so unpredictable in what he will do. Yes, up to this point. Yes. Now you still have to play uh you know Mike you know Mike McDaniel from Miami. Uh you still have Buffalo. But as of now, as we sit here now, week 5 McVay is going to be their stiffest challenge in terms of trying to figure out what he's doing from this Sean Desai's defense. Trying to figure out what McVay wants to do is going to be the stiffest challenge up to this point. Think
1: about it, you know, New England is a is not a good offensive team, period. Just not period. No. No. The Vikings have the potential to be, for sure, but I think they're incredibly one-dimensional.
2: Yep. Okay. Cousins
1: certainly could throw the ball. We know Justin Jefferson hurt them in that game, big time. So So Addison. So you can make an argument with with the Vikings for sure. Tampa's, you know, maybe credit to the Eagles. Like Evans, I didn't feel like Evans and Godwin killed them, and maybe that's credit to the Eagles. No, No. Yeah, I, I would, I'd probably say the Rams, uh, you know, I think he'd argue the, the Vikings, but I would say the Rams.
2: Yeah. And, and, and three of the Eagles, four wins, they've won by five, six, and three points. Yeah. Now the bottom line is they won the games. Most important. Did you win? Did you lose? They've won. They've won those games, but close games have a way of working for you and against you at any given moment. Yeah. You know, and granted in those three wins, turnovers were key. No question about it. Um, And turnovers, I believe, is going to be a key in this game as well. Um, Whoever protects the ball better should come out victorious in this game. But I do believe this also. The Eagles can, can be a little bit more flawed offensively and still find a way to win their game. The Rams have to be meticulous in their approach to the Eagles game because on both sides of the ball, I don't think they are stout enough to play from uh, come from behind especially if they're down 10 or more points the eagles have enough talent to come down from 10 or more points yeah they proved that in the washington game you know uh i don't think the rams can't so from the rams perspective you've got to get a lead on the eagles and make them play catch up from the eagles perspective you cannot let this game get too out of control and let let the rams maintain that momentum momentum you know say what you want to say but momentum goes a long way sometimes in terms of deciding the outcome of a game Well, I think the biggest thing from the Eagles, the way they've played so far is
1: you can look at it two ways. Either they know how to win football games, even when they're not playing their A game, which, you know, that's a great trait to have going forward. It's what the good teams do. No doubt. But I think the other thing is you you need to understand that there's a lot of things that need to be corrected. Yes, you won. And yes, you made the plays you had to make, but you got, there was a little bit of good fortune and you were maybe not playing the best teams in football. So you better be fixing these things. So what you need to see is corrections along the way. We can't keep seeing the same mistakes that we saw through the first four games. Just little things, little detail things that I think they were just a hair off. Maybe some of that is new coaching, you know, just getting acclimated to one another. Yeah. Some of that is injury. Some of that is younger players who aren't as experienced as you had last year. But the biggest thing you need to see is continued improvement. If you don't see that, then, yeah, you're going to fall prey to some of the things that, that, that happened to you in those games that you lost. I mean, it's just that simple. And I think they understand that. Believe me, look, Derek, at every turn, and I don't think this is just the Eagles saying this to the media. They know, like they know down deep. We haven't played our a game. No, we have not. And we, we, when we start playing the other, you know, this Rams team is nothing to sneeze at, but when we start playing the rent, the dolphins and Seahawks and bills and 49ers, Cowboys got to be on the, got to be much better than this, or they will be losses, plain and simple.
2: And, I, I don't know how much better they, they will be, Rob, in terms of pass coverage. I really don't. I don't
1: either. That's the big thing for me. I don't think so. I think it might just we just have to live with this, sort
3: of.
2: You know, I, I, I reached out to somebody um, a couple of weeks ago, or last week, and I said, because um, I heard them talking about it on their format, and I texted them, I said, I think this pass defense is going to be suspect all year. And I got an emphatic yes as a response. And, you know, you're just going to have to live with it. That's what happens when you delete the volume of talent the Eagles had to delete on their defense. The pass rush is not going to be as formidable. It's still going to be very good, but it's not going to be as formidable when you look at the collection of players they had last year. When you look at the collection of players they had on the back, back end last year and say what you want to say about Marcus Epps, Marcus Epps, as the season went on, Marcus Epps was a good player, a good safety for this Eagles team. You had C.J. G.J. You know, he lost some time because of the injury, but he was solid on the back end of that defense for him. he was To me, he was their best tackler. Right. He led the team in interceptions. He was the best tackler. This is a growing process, and you couple in the fact that every week somebody is nicked up. You know, last year wasn't everybody being nicked up week to week. This year it is. Yes. That's just the nature of football. What you get one year, you can't count on the next year. Yeah, yes. look at the, look at the plethora of injuries we've seen through four weeks across the National Football League and the Eagles are right there in the middle of it this year. It just happens. Yeah, so happens. you've got a mix and match to the point now they're bringing in somebody off the street. Bradley yep. Robin. Bradley Robin. Yep. you know,
1: absolutely well said. Hey, let me give you this. Uh, Joel Embiid has committed to play for Team USA in the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Really? So, jo- Joel Embiid. Will pl- yes, he's an American citizen. He will play for Team USA in the 2024 Paris Olympics, according to Ramona
2: Shelbourne of ESPN. So, uh, that's a, cool. Hey, that's awesome. But will he be representing the Sixers or another team? <laughs> Good question. Good question.
1: All right. So, uh, let's come back. Um, and uh, we will uh, we will dig in uh, a little bit further on everything Phillies, Eagles, and Sixers with this from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Mike Sealski. So don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. i Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm going to tell you about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust with your finances can be a very scary proposition. And I was that same person for a very long time. But I found Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group, and I want you to not have to go through what I went through, okay? Uh, so whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you have a small business and you're trying to figure out, how do I how do I go about it? establishing my employee benefits well that's another resource that jim can help you with now i've entrusted my ira my 401k rollovers with jim and i couldn't be any happier you will be too give him a call 610-996-4751 i'll tell you that again 610-996-4751 or you can email him murray m-u-r-r-a-y dot jim at com. that's murray. Jim at com.
6: And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no
5: surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same
6: PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675.
8: We are back. D-Dunn,
1: Rob Ellis, hanging out with you. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network on this Thursday. Very exciting time in Philadelphia sports for sure. Phillies advance to the NLDS against the Braves. Eagles 4-0 awaiting the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. And joining us right now to talk all things Philadelphia sports, the man himself who covers it all for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and you can hear him every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. with Glenn Macnow on WIP. Mike sealski Michael, what's up, my man? Robert,
11: Derek, good to be with you guys.
1: Mike right, was, my man. Always great. Um, let's start with the Phillies, Mike. Um, and really, disposed of the Marlins. You know, this was a, a series that looked a little tricky, a little complicated. Marlins had a pretty good history against the Phillies over the last, whatever, five, six years. And really, they kind of flexed on them, Mike. Mike, you still with us?
11: Yeah, I'm here, Rob. Sorry, you froze for a second there.
1: Oh, that's okay. We yeah, was it me? Okay, my bad. Mike, they they really handled them pretty pretty convincingly, I would say. What what are your thoughts on the series? Yeah,
11: look, they are the team. I think that no one else in the National League wants to face, and that includes the Braves and the Dodgers. And I know it's easy to say that because they won the pennant last year, but the fact is that they were 14 games behind the Braves and 10 games behind the Dodgers this season. Yet they are from a roster standpoint, from a lineup standpoint. And I would argue even from a pitching standpoint, they are built to play well at this time of year. It doesn't take a whole lot for them to put up a lot of runs as we saw these last two nights. I mean, Bryce Harper didn't do a whole lot other than running through a stop sign by Dusty Wathan. Mm. You have guys up and down that lineup who can deliver. You saw it last night with Bryson Stott's grand slam. Uh, They have two guys at the top of the rotation who, when they are at their best can shut down anybody. And that's what happened in game one with Zach Wheeler and game two with Aaron Nola. And they have power arms in the bullpen. And I know all of those guys have not pitched well all season. Craig Kimbrell makes me nervous too. If I'm, if I'm being completely honest as a, as somebody who follows the Phillies, if I were a Phillies fan, I would really be nervous when he comes in a game. But they have the kind of arms in the bullpen that can strike people out. And that's what you need in October. So I think they're going to give the Braves all they can handle and more. It didn't surprise me that they dispatched the Marlins as easily as they did. And I think this is going to be a great series going forward.
2: Mike, first of all, belated uh, happy anniversary, as you saw. Oh, thanks, I put on, as I put oh, on your As I put on nice. your Facebook page, that woman has to be a saint to put up with you for 16 <laughs> she, years. She
11: absolutely is. She absolutely
2: is. <laughs> but, but secondly... We've been waiting, and we saw, we saw samples of this in, in Nola's last two outings leading up to last night. Give me your breakdown on how Nola commanded his pitches last night, especially the way his breaking, uh, breaking pitches set up his sneaky fastball.
11: Yeah, well, he got some help from the home plate umpire. That, that yeah. zone was rather substantial at times, uh, and I think the Marlins were complaining about it. But more than anything, uh, I think he – how can I put this? He didn't look to me like he was trying to overthrow it all. Yeah. And I don't know if that was a matter of tweaking his windup a little bit in his delivery, getting back to some fundamentals, but you saw a lot of knuckle curves and changeups. Yep. He really pitched last night. He only struck out three, and that's okay, right? That's, that's Aaron Nola really at his best. Uh, sometimes his inconsistency, to me, seems to be when he starts throwing – 94 all the time I almost feel like that's that's too hard for Aaron Nola to be throwing that the precision is really his strength and mixing stuff up and he really did that well last night he kept the ball down in the zone with a couple of exceptions the Marlins didn't hit the ball in the air very much uh and he got some terrific defense behind him so you know he looked like Aaron Nola at his best and the timing couldn't have been better
1: and Mike, I, yeah. The other thing is, let's give the manager some credit here. A lot of right buttons pushed. Now, I, not in ter- you knew, you kind of knew where he was going in terms of the one-two with Wheeler and Nola, but he did stay very steadfast. You know, Nola's my guy. No panic buttons pushed or anything like that. But using Pache in in left field it makes you know a couple really nice plays early in both games. Also delivered you know clutch hit as well. Rojas' development. I mean, we're. It's rare you see this. The Phillies had a couple fines. Give Dombrowski credit. I mean, the the Pache trade comes down late. They develop Rojas through the system. He's the minor league player of the year. They're, they're using Orion Kettering in, in a you know in a game in a playoff game. You're seeing a lot of the positive things that we maybe hadn't seen in years past from the Phillies.
11: I think that's a great point, Rob. The idea that the Phillies are getting young players uh, often from other organizations and developing them. I mean, look at the guy that Pache replaced in left field, right? Brandon Marsh fits that bill too. You know, he was not exactly renowned for his hitting when the Phillies got him last year, and he's improved tremendously as a hitter, and he didn't start either of these games. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's really helped their depth. You mentioned Rojas, and, and I don't think you can put a price on the value of those two guys, Rojas and Pache, defensively. I know Pache had that one play last night. He might have been able to make a play in the double. And, uh, you know, it would have been a really good play if he caught the ball. But the fact is that you don't have Kyle Schwarber out there now, you know, in a hard hat, (laughs) you know, for his own protection. You're able to catch the ball better. And look at them up the middle now. Like, Real Muto is a very good defensive catcher. Turner's been better lately defensively. Stott yep. is a very good defensive second baseman, and Rojas pretty much catches everything in center field. That's still the backbone of a really good team. If you're building uh, the kind of team that can compete for a World Series, and and you saw that over
1: these two games, Mike, add real quick, Derek. Sorry to jump in, but add the fact that you don't have Hoskins on first, and and we all everybody loves what kind of guy Reese is, but Harper's an upgrade there too. You, you're a way better defensive team this year than you were last year. And that team got the game six, but I'm sorry. Go ahead there.
11: No, it's okay. I was just going to say, I was going to throw a shout out here to my colleague, Scott Lauber at the inquire. He had a terrific story uh, last week about how much the Phillies had prioritized athleticism uh, in reshaping the team a little bit. And I think that's what you're seeing, Rob, you're seeing better overall athletes at these positions. Turner, Stott, Harper at first base, even though the position is unfamiliar to him, is a better athlete than Reese Hoskins. Again, yep. nothing against Reese Hoskins. You yep. certainly see that in the outfield when it comes to the defense.
2: No question. Um I think this fan base last year and this year has taken home field advantage to a, a whole new level. Um you know normally we don't we don't incorporate a baseball crowd as being a, def- a definitive edge. You know as rabid as the Dodgers fan base is, the Yankees fan base this fan base here has taken home field advantage to a whole new level. When you have a fan base that is standing up for more, most of a game more so than sitting down, the opposition has to be thinking, what in the world is going on here? And I, and I do think that gives the Phillies somewhat of a psychological edge.
11: I agree with you completely, Gunner. And you use the key word there, which is thinking. Yeah. Consider baseball, okay? Home field advantage to me, can be and has been overstated in other sports. You see it in hockey all the time. Everybody talks about the home ice advantage, and yet if you look at the numbers in the playoffs, road teams win just about as often as home teams do, at least in recent years. Uh, The Sixers had home court advantage last year against the Celtics. Didn't do them a lot of good. You see this in the NFL all the time. Do the Eagles have a home field advantage at the link? Sure they do, but most teams have home field advantages in the NFL. The difference in baseball and with the Phillies and Citizens Bank Park, I think, number one, there's no other atmosphere in baseball like that, like what those fans deliver at the ballpark in October. And number two, back to what you said, Gunner, there's so much downtime in a baseball game that players on the opposing team actually, I think, do spend more time thinking just mm-hmm. in the course of a game and Cause they're standing around in the outfield or they're standing at home plate waiting to hit. And in those kind of situations, a loud raucous home crowd probably has more of an effect on an opposing team than in any other sport, yep. because you're there and thinking about it and living in your own head during the game more so than in any other sport. So I, I think it's a huge advantage for the Phillies. If they, if they're able to steal a game in Atlanta, either Saturday or Sunday, man, there's a, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to come back uh, even against the Braves and finish this thing off because
1: it is a huge advantage for them to play at citizens bank park. Mike, let me hit one more intangible here. And I go, I know some of this stuff, people might scoff at or whatever, but th- this seems like a genuinely good group in that they really pull for each other. You brought up Marsh earlier. Marsh is always the guy at the top of the rail, you know, banging the drum when anything good happens, where he could be kind of mopey guy because he was for the most part a regular this year and he's not starting games one and two and he's not playing right. But he's excited for this team. Every one of these guys who were veterans and, and Trey Turner among them said, I, I came here, I came here for $300 million, but I came here <laughs> because of the crowd, but I came here because I know these guys and I know they, they are actually a team. There's not a lot of clicks. I think was one of the things that was said during the, the national broad or the broadcast last night with, with Carl Ravitch and the ESPN crew. Like, I think that part of it is real. Like, there is a there's a genuineness to this squad. And I know winning helps cures all ills and all that. But it seems kind of real to me, at least.
11: Yeah, I think as real as anything like this gets, Rob. I think that's true. I think a lot of that has to do with a few of the guys who are the best players on the team, right? Kyle Schwarber is a terrific clubhouse guy. Mm-hmm. Harper seems to have been that way. You know, he he was a bit of a punk when he came into the majors, and understandably so, because he was such a prodigy but he's grown up now and he doesn't have to be outspoken to be a tone setter in that clubhouse. Hoskins was that way when he was around all the time and he's, he's still around a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, his presence is at least there. Uh, Turner was always known as a good clubhouse guy. And I think that sort of thing does help. You know, we like to think that, uh, the two factors never touch, right? Like as long as you're talented, you can overcome anything, uh, within the, the culture of a team, right? Like if you have you have enough talent, you can win. It doesn't matter whether the guys get along. 25 cabs for 25 guys, you can do all that. Think back to like the Bronx Zoo Yankees right. of the 70s, right? They hate, Those guys hated each other, but they won anyway. Mm-hmm. I wonder if nowadays this sort of culture thing matters more. I think it helps the Eagles, for instance, to have the kind of guys in that locker room that they have, guys like Jason Kelsey and Brandon Graham and Lane Johnson. It, it's a thing they want to perpetuate, and I think the Phillies have, have caught a bit of that magic. Hmm.
2: Don't you think it's also a rare trade in today's sports environment where you see a bunch of high-profile, big-time ball players like the Phillies? There's no me. There's no me. We never hear about them talking about individual stats, whether it's games played, uh, amount of bats, so on and so forth. Um, and I think that that's the organization in general. Uh, should receive kudos for that because you went out and you paid a lot of money for a lot of big-time players like the Harpers, the Schwarbers, the Trey Turners, and they've come in here, and all they care about is the one common goal of going as far as they can possibly can. I think that's a rare trait in today's game.
11: Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a dynamic of intra-team jealousy or rivalry, right. Gunner. Like you saw with the Yankees when they went and got Alex Rodriguez back in the mid-2000s it was him and Jeter kind of in like a, you know, who's the lead dog here kind of battle, you know, to a certain extent. I mean, they won the 2009 world series because they were ungodly good, but for the most part, that was pretty stormy yeah. Uh, yeah. for those years. The Phillies don't seem to have that. They, they have stars, but they don't have guys who seem to be in contention with each other. Uh, and I think that's interesting. And I think that's harder to achieve nowadays in the era of free agency and constant movement and all those sorts of, of things. It was one thing back when got, you you presumed that guys were going to stay with the team for a long, long time.
8: Mm-hmm. Uh,
11: you don't have that now, but interestingly enough, maybe the Phillies have kind of cultivated that thinking by signing so many of these guys to long-term deals. You got Harper for 13 years, Turner for 11, you know, Castellanos to five. Uh, these guys are going to be here a while. And I've always said this about Harper, like, he makes it very clear that he wants it to work here because he knows he's going to be here a long time. Mm-hmm. So he panders to the fans a little bit and he talks to the media at every single opportunity because he knows, Hey, I committed to be here. I got to make it work. And I wonder if
1: some of the other guys in the clubhouse
11: feel the same way.
1: Mm-hmm. Mike last Philly's one for me. And then I want to I hit you with an Eagles question, but uh, game three, we had, Rob Thompson hasn't made it official. You think he goes Suarez or Sanchez for game three? Or, sorry, game one against the Braves. Excuse me.
11: Yeah, I think it's probably going to be Ranger Suarez mm-hmm. uh, just because it would be a little tight to bring Wheeler back in game one. But I think you'll see Wheeler in game two. And I think that would open up the possibility of him pitching again in game five.
1: Oh, uh, no doubt. Yeah, he, he goes to go and that five. Far. Yeah, yep. no doubt. No doubt. All right. I, I think Suarez as well. I think it's Suarez as well. Um, all right. Eagles-wise. 4-0 start hasn't been a, a thing of beauty, necessarily, <laughs> um, for sure. W- what do you think about what you've seen so far? Do you, do you view it as, hey, they won, and, and everything else can be figured out after that? Or I see trouble on the horizon here a little bit.
11: Well, look, I- I've been the guy, Rob, who's saying they could be every bit as good as they were last season, and the record won't be anywhere near as good. They may only go 12-5 and or 11-6 and because the schedule promise to be more difficult and there's always a hangover after you get to the Super Bowl and don't win. So the fact that they're 4-0 and is nothing but a good thing, right? They could be 3-1 and or 2-2 and based on their performances in these games that are not. They're stacking up wins at a time in the schedule where everybody presumed they'd be stacking up wins. Mm-hmm. So I can totally understand people looking at this and saying, hey, there's reason to be optimistic because they haven't hit their stride yet. We're still figuring out who Brian Johnson and Sean Desai are as coordinators, and the players themselves are still getting used to those guys. But it doesn't change the fact that their schedule is going to get tougher, and they're going to have to be better. And I think honestly, that starts a little bit of quarterback. I think Hertz Jalen Hurts had his best game of the season uh, against Washington last Sunday, but he wasn't perfect, and I wonder if some of the kinks on offense you know, still need to be worked out here. Uh, and we haven't even talked about the defense and, right. and the way they're allowing teams to move up and down the field.
2: Well, let's let's talk about the defense because I had jokingly said to Rob, kind of seriously, that I think the defense is going to be a work in progress all season. When you've lost the volume of talent they had from a dominating defense last year and you're integrating a bunch of kids and a couple in the fact they've had way more aches and pains in, in, in Knicks this, at this point of a season than they ever did last year, and you're you're moving players in and out constantly. It's going to be a little bit more jagged than what we anticipated being.
11: Yeah, I think you're 100 right, Gunner. Uh, and you can't you can't undersell that. You can't overstate it, I guess you'd say, because they were healthy for the entirety of last season. They had so much depth uh, along the defensive line, and if you want to count Hassan Reddick you know, in that group, they were able to come after the quarterback in waves with so many players and so much depth. They don't have that right now. And you're right. Guys are figuring it out in the secondary and at linebacker. Uh, they they're figuring out what Desai wants to do and how he wants it done. I think the fact that Reddick got the cast off
3: mm-hmm. is a
11: big help. Uh, he had a sack last week. I think he's kind of poised to become the player, uh, or get at least get close to being the player he was last season. Uh, and I think you're right. I think it's going to, you know again if you're an optimist you're saying you know we haven't seen the best of this defense yet
1: do you anticipate mike if if they can i'm talking specifically against the the past if they continue to struggle this way and and they're relatively healthy like this week if they get sydney brown back and justin evans and it kind of you know starts to look like this is who it is and they still struggle do you see a trade coming from howie i think it's always possible
11: always possible rob uh You know, he has shown no fear and no compunction about making a midseason move to try to improve this team. We've seen it year after year after year, whether you're talking about Jay Ajayi or Golden Tate or, you know, they don't always work out, but often they do. And so, yeah, I think it's entirely possible.
2: I look look at Jalen Hurts and, you know, we know what he is and what he's capable of doing. But, And, you know, I've talked to Seth Joyner about this and we've talked about it a number of times. Does, does Jalen to you look a little bit slower, maybe more calculated in everything that he's doing this season? Yes, he does. I
11: think everybody sees it, Gunner. And I wonder how much of it is they want to keep him healthy. Yeah. Because they just signed him to this gigantic contract and yeah. they're pot committed to him. You know, Nick Sirianni says, even without being asked sometimes, that, you know, you guys like to say that we we ran Jalen last year because we were going to wring every drop out of him and, and we weren't paying him that much, and that's just not true. But it's hard not to draw that conclusion, right? Like yeah. they just yeah. they ran him so much more frequently last year and the year before uh, than they are now. And, you know, part of this is the natural arc that a quarterback who can run with the ball has to take. I think, you know, Steve Young did this back in the 80s and 90s. We saw Donovan McNabb do this, that as his career went along, you know he didn't run as much. Uh, you know, look at 2003 and 2004 is kind of like that tipping point where he really did want to stay in the pocket and he might move to create time so that he could still throw the ball downfield. He didn't he didn't break off and run as frequently as he as he did as a younger player. And I think we're seeing the same thing from Hertz. Whether how much of that is Jalen and how much of it is the Eagles saying. We don't want you to run as much. I don't know, but I think it's apparent to everybody.
1: All right, Mike. I, I before I hop off the the Eagles, I know you wrote about this earlier this week, and I think we're in the same boat here. But I'm I want you to. I don't want to speak for you. The tush push and, and the insanity uh, uh, th- that it's become uh, around the league. Uh, the notion that it should be stopped for some reason because it's not. It's not pretty. It's not aesthetically pleasing. To people. Uh, uh, okay. So, and then the other thing is other teams can't run it to this effect. We know that. Okay. We know the, there's numbers out there. There's 69% at running it this past week. The Eagles or whatever they are. 13 for 14. Uh, it drives me batty. But anyway, I want you to tell me what you think. Tell me where you're at with the tush push. I'm, I'm with
11: you. A thousand percent, Rob.
1: A thousand percent.
11: The other uh, part of this, I think is that the NFL is transitioning a little bit in that Tom Brady is retired, Peyton Manning's doing the Manning cast, Aaron Rodgers is hurt. There is a relative dearth of hot-button stars and stuff to talk about. That's part of the reason we're spending so much time on Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, okay? And I think the tush-push was an easy topic for people who cover the league to get worked up about, because getting worked up about something leads to page views and clicks and discussion and and talk show stuff. It's money. Okay. I was really disappointed in some of the stuff I saw from people who cover this league.
1: Like what is Peter King doing? What's happened to Peter King at this point?
11: I I, I don't know. And I I saw it from other places. The the analogy I drew was, and I'm biased here because I'm researching and writing a book on this topic, but all the outrage over the tush push reminded me about the outrage over the advent of the slam dunk in basketball in the 1940s and fifties, because you heard exactly the same kind of arguments then that you're hearing now. It's not a basketball play. It's not a football play. People complained all the time about how Bill Russell and Wilt Wilt Chamberlain weren't really playing basketball. They were playing volleyball. It's exactly the same thing you hear now. And this mm-hmm. comes up anytime there's a new wrinkle or innovation to the sport. The old guard gets their, their panties in a bunch over mm-hmm. something that's working that they hadn't thought of or seen before. And I don't understand it. You're right, Rob. No other team runs it as well as the Eagles do. Stop it. Just stop it. Yeah. You know, keep, if, if, you're, if you want, if you want to complain about it, go ahead, but you still got to stop them from running it. because stop everybody it or don't let
1: them get in short yardage.
11: Right. Everybody acknowledges that it's legal. And I just – I don't understand the outrage over this thing. No,
2: all right. First of all, I can't believe you said panties in a bunch, but that's, a, that's another topic. <laughs> Secondly, the league has already warned the Eagles about lining up in the neutral zone about it. You've had coaches, prominent coaches, talk about it's not a football play. I've said it before. I'm going to say it today, and I'll say it again in the future – Number one, because it's a Philadelphia staple. For whatever reason, the league has a disdain for Philadelphia. Number two, because you have such a public outcry about the play. Number three, there's going to continue to be public outcry about the play as the the team moves forward. I think it's going to be eliminated by the next owner's meeting. I really do. What's going to be such a variation to it, it's not going to be as effective as we've seen last year and this year.
11: I think there's – you may be right, Gunnar, and I think that's part of what's driving – Uh, the coverage of this is that people like Peter King are hearing from coaches and executives and owners in the league, stop this, stop this, stop this, because it makes their jobs more difficult. Like that's what this comes down to is that everybody wants their job to be easier. And the fact that the Eagles can run this play makes everybody's job around the league harder. And look, I'd be saying the same thing if it were the 49ers or the Cowboys or the Patriots running this play, it's legal stop it. It's it, the idea that it's, it, you know, aesthetically displeasing because it's a rugby play or something like that. My God, get over yourself. And, and the, the other thing too, guys, remember, we see this from time to time in the NFL, this kind of like ridiculous overstatement about stuff. I mean, I can remember analysts on ESPN quite literally crying over deflate gate back in 2014. Yeah. So I think everybody just needs to like stop and just, you know, let, let the Eagles do what they're going to do. If you don't like it too bad, do something to stop them from running that play. Agreed.
1: Hmm. All right. Last one from me, Mike. Um, I know he practiced yesterday. Uh, I know there haven't been any blow up since he arrived in Colorado, but do you feel like this is just a ticking time bomb? It's only a matter of time with Harden, or do you think he's going to play nice here because he realizes it actually aids him in getting out of there. If he, you know, doesn't act like a spoiled brat. What do you think?
11: I think he should play nice. I've written that he ought to do that. I don't think he will. I think yep. he wants to get out of there. Yep. Uh, you know, th- there are a lot of people covering the NBA who know a lot more than I do, who are kind of covering this story, rubbing their hands together, waiting to see what's going to happen. And I think that's true. I I, I don't trust James Harden to uh, do what's in his own best interest. Let's put it that way. I think you're yep. right, Rob. It would be in his own best interest to show up, play hard, play well, And maybe Daryl Morey would accommodate him or even stay with the team. Like, are you going to be in a better situation getting paid more money than you are with the Sixers? Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's his own worst enemy in that regard. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I think he has sabotaged his um, ability to have multiple teams come after him. I think, you know, I saw the story the other day that there's not much of a trade market for James Harden right now. Why would there be, considering what he came out and did this summer, which handcuffs the Sixers and which handcuffs him in terms of trying to get out of there?
11: Never mind, Gunner. The way he plays is not conducive to a team wanting to acquire him. You have to give him the ball and right. turn the entire offense over to him. What team is going to want to do that? The only team where that would possibly work right now is the Sixers. And to be very honest, guys, I'm not sure that's in their best interest short-term or long-term. I really wonder, and Tim Legler from ESPN was the first to say this, I really wonder if we're going to ever see the full flourishing of Tyrese Maxey as long as James Harden is here. I think they need to give Maxey some responsibility. I like the fact that Nick Nurse wants to make him kind of the scoring point guard and give him more responsibility and put more on his plate. You got You're going to have to live with some some bumps in the road like we are with the Eagles defense. But I think in the long term, it's the best thing for Maxi, the player and the Sixers as a team.
1: Mm. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. All right, Mike. Uh, so we got you. Obviously, we're, we're checking out everything you do on on Twitter and X at Mike Sealski. You could still grab the the unbelievable book, The Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality. Every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. with Glenn Mac. Now, what else should we be on the, uh, the lookout for here? Uh,
11: Well, I'll tell you this, guys. My colleague Matt Breen and I are working on a series of stories to coincide with uh, the Eagles bringing back the Kelly Green jerseys for a game against the Dolphins later this month. Mm -hmm. So we have – these aren't like shiny, happy, hey, Kelly Green was awesome kind of stories. We have a big piece coming on Wes Hopkins uh, and his life after football and his – death at age 57 we've uh one coming about the bounty bowl that's going to reveal some new things one about a guy who used to cover the eagles and went on to much bigger and much better things um so i would you know nice. e- encourage everybody to you know keep your eyes on inquire.com because we've got some good stuff coming
1: i, I, I read everything you do and and yeah. not the no, no knock on anybody else, but, but I think Matt Breen is absolutely phenomenal. His, I, I love his stuff. He, he, nobody nobody
11: tells, nobody can can spot and tell a Philly story better than Matt Breen.
1: Plus, he has the nicest father in the press
11: box. Yes, he does. That's Paul that's Breen that. is a very, very nice man.
2: <laughs> and, and Mike, you just touched on that. You're working on another book, correct?
11: I am yes how on the, in the
2: um, world do you have time to work on books when you have all these in-depth stories on a daily basis you cover multiple sports where and you have you have children where do you find time for this stuff
11: Remember early on Gunner how you wished me a happy anniversary <laughs> Yep Yeah see I completely ignore my wife and kids so oh, you know. oh. It happens. No. No. Uh, Mike, no, I don't sleep much.
1: I uh, got you. We, wow. we, we hear you with that. Uh, Mike, we appreciate it, man. Keep up the good work. Well, We're looking forward to those uh, upcoming stories and, and and listening to you and, and reading it. Thanks. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Right, appreciate Mike, it. You got it. Mike Sealski hanging out with us from the Inquirer and a WIP. Great author as well. All right, Gunner, let's hit it. Let's come back. We're going to do our NFL segment a little bit early, okay, because we have – Tim Parker coming up at one o'clock and we'll talk to Tim. He'll give us the, the complete lowdown on everything that's going on with the Rams, the health of Stafford, the health of cop, all those kind of things. So we'll do that uh, coming up at one o'clock. But when we come back uh, a bunch of things, Gunner, a couple, Evan Neal, the offensive lineman from the giants yeah. went off and then, then has tried to walk it back, which we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, Damn. Jamal Adams, Joe Burrow, Brees Hall, Jonathan Taylor met with the media cause he's back practicing. So we'll get into all those kind of things. Uh, when we come back, also, we have a game tonight. This thing just like sort of snuck up on you, but there is a game tonight also, which we'll get into. All right. So don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are sports take Jacob sports, YouTube network. All right. Let's talk about pro action restoration. You have a home, you have a business, uh, you have a property you own. And you go through the inconvenience of water, fire, smoke, mold damage to those, to that property, man. You know it can be a challenge, right? Well, guess what? You don't have to deal with that alone. Reach out to Pro Action Restoration. They're on call twenty four hours, seven days a week to assist. I personally went through it at my parents' house years ago, where they had uh, you know flooding in their basement. Pro Action came right out on a Saturday. They fixed the problem. Uh, the price was right. The crew was great. It was an awesome experience. ProAction Restoration is licensed, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction will work in conjunction with your insurance company also. So, again, if it's water, if it's fire, if it's smoke, it's, if it's mold remediation that you need, they can handle all of those kind of things. Give them a call, 610-623-3760. 610 623 3760 or online at proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com.
6: And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel,
5: no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come.
6: You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675.
8: G-L-E-S Eagles
1: Back, D-Gun Rob Ellis hanging out with you Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network Alright, Derek, NFL Talk Evan Neal, offensive lineman for the New York Football Giants um, Let's start with what he said initially Alright, and I'll tell you how he, he walked it back Alright, so um, in reference to their beatdown that they got on Monday night, 24-3 to 3, uh, to Seattle, there was some heavy booing as the team went into the locker rooms uh, at halftime, as you would expect, right? Who, By the way, who wouldn't have booed that performance with the way that they played? Okay, I'm surprised most of the crowd didn't walk out of the stadium. Seriously. All right, so he's asked about that by, uh, by NJ.com, NJ Advanced Media. And he said, quote, they were booing us, so I said, boo louder why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of sheep the person that's commenting on my performance what does he do flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere so you know that he 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 talked about the fans being fair weather bandwagon jumpers you know all those kind of things right <clears throat> so obviously that starts an uproar giants fans lose their mind new york sports radio goes crazy uh, everybody goes bananas uh, so then he he then follows up later obviously somebody got to him and and said quote uh i am wrong for lashing out at the fans who are just as passionate and frustrated as i am i let my frustrations in my play plus desire to win get the best of me i had no right to make light of anyone's job and i deeply regret the things i said we are working day in and day out to grow as a team and this was an unnecessary distraction. I apologize. All right. So there you have both sides of it. Give me your, give me your thoughts.
2: Uh, First of all, um, this was, this was a giants fan base after coming off last season was jacked up about the prospects of this team, finally turning the corner under a new head coach, under a new defensive coordinator with anticipation Right out of the gate, they get embarrassed on national TV by Dallas. And it's been, for the most part, downhill ever since. The offense has not generated a touchdown in the first half in four games. The defense through four games has not, has zero turnovers. So and, So everything Giants fans were hoping would be even better this year has been absolutely worse in terms of offensive production, in terms of defensive prowess. Bottom line is, look at where they are record-wise. When you pay that kind of money to go see a sporting event, especially a football game, and especially from a team that seemed to be an up-and-coming team, you expect a better product on the field. And they've given you anything but an improved product. So the fan base is extremely frustrated. And let's face it, New York fan base is very verbal, Very opinionated, like a lot of big city markets are. So that's understandable. From a player perspective, in four weeks, the Giants players have to be extremely tired of being embarrassed by the opposition on national television formats. So I think from Evan Neal, it's a young player who made a mistake. He allowed the elements to get to him, which compounded his own frustration. And he spoke out of emotion to the point, he knew he said something he shouldn't have said. And of course the, the management organization converged on him right away. You got to back this down real quick because even if even if they believed what he said, you can't say that because you're just throwing more logs on an already hot fire. Right. So that's why he walked it back. It's understandable. But the, bo- the problem is you put that out there in New York of all places. And we know New York's media, their sports talk radios, their newspapers are going to use this until the Giants find a way to turn this thing around, the New York media fan base is going to use this every chance they get.
1: Yeah, agreed.
2: So I'll, I'll hit on a couple things. One,
1: considering your unit gave up 10 sacks and considering the offense looks putrid, and I know Saquon didn't play, I get it. But as bad as the offense has looked and as bad as the team has looked, you have to just wear it. I'm not saying you got to go out there and throw apologies around, but right. just don't say anything. Don't say anything to push back on it because frankly, whatever you've gotten, you've deserved so far. You have, you have been bad. You had a, they had to come back to beat the, what was it? The Cardinals, right? Or whoever their, yeah. their lone win. I'm trying to remember what it was, but um, nonetheless. And then to, to go like, what are they doing? Flipping burgers? Like to demean, you know, people making a living who do, who do it that way. It's just dumb. It's just not a good way to go. I get frustration. I'm not killing the guy completely. I, I get it. um. But, yeah, bad luck. Bad luck. And it's been a really awful start for them on a million levels. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jones hasn't lived up to the contract. You know, they, they, it's everything we thought before the season. Man, they're too Saquon dependent. You see what happens when Saquon gets hurt. They look like garbage. The defense, you're right. They're not getting turnovers. They're not playing particularly well on that side of the ball it's a complete failure so far. I mean, you know, you can make a case they're fortunate to have one win with the way it started. So this is not a log you needed to drop onto the fire. um,
2: If you're Uh,
1: Neil, it's the, in fact, it's the last last thing you need. It really
2: young player, young player, let his emotions get the best of him. It's a learning tool. Unfortunately, it's a learning tool in a very bad situation right now. Um, If you were, if you were in a smaller market, a green Bay, a Cincinnati, even a Buffalo, You know, even though those cities, media people probably would use it as fodder down the road, you're talking about one of the largest media contendants in all of America when you talk about New York, Philadelphia, Boston, markets like that. You have to be better schooled in terms of checking your emotion. We understand as an individual, as a gladiator, you are frustrated and you are embarrassed. And as much as it may seem unfair to the athlete, the fans have the right to lash out when they want, <clears throat> as long as they don't get physical throwing stuff at players, you know, damaging their property, things of that nature. The fans have that right to lash out in any way, shape or form. You have to be even have even thicker skin to survive in a situation like that. Yeah. And obviously um, th- the fans coming down on them, booing at halftime, embarrassing the national TV you know there's a lot of in-house frustration uh it boiled over to the point he spoke spoke out of turn and now he's got to live with that even though he's apologized yeah he still got to live with that and I guarantee you when he comes out the Giants next home game they're going to get booed and he's going to be singled out and verbally attacked as well all right let's go to another one here I, and and this one I'm I'm calling for a little bit
1: of a little bit of mercy and a little bit of understanding here but uh, Jamal Adams who had missed a ton of time Came back Monday night in that game. In the first series, he makes a tackle on Daniel Jones, where he, he goes, he goes low, he catches a, a a knee or a thigh in the head. Yeah, yeah. You could tell right away he goes down. He's not right. They get him out of the game. They put him in the blue tent, and they diagnose him with a with a head injury. Okay, there. The NFL has independent neurologists who don't work for the team. Now they 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 did that purposely because let's be real about this. The team doctor sometimes can be influenced. Hey, get him back in the game and, you know, yeah. whatever. So I like that the NFL did this. Jamal Adams, understandably so, is frustrated because he wants to play football. And he, he, you know, he had to be restrained. He had words for this guy. And he was getting into him pretty good. Now, it, 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 I'm not excusing that. And I get the doctor's just doing his job. But I do understand it a little bit from Jamal Adams' standpoint from where he's coming from. So uh, the NFL is considering fining him or disciplining him. I would hope they just give him a, a, a warning, like, listen, you can't ever do that again, you know, whatever. So
2: where, where do you fall on this one, Gunner? Um, I saw video clips of uh, the the interaction on the sideline, and people got in between him and the neurologist. He didn't physically assault the guy. I think it's a, it was a heated moment. You're talking about this gladiator who, when he's right, is considered one of the best better safeties in the in National Football League. Injuries have taken their toll on him. He finally gets back in the game and boom, all of a sudden he's out again. I think his emotions got the best of him. I I, I agree with you in this sense. I hope the league doesn't find him. It was, a, it was a, an outburst of passion and frustration from a true gladiator. Um, but a lot of times, Rob, especially in football, specialists have to protect players from themselves because players will lie and say, I'm good to go back in there, coach, and all of a sudden – he gets hurt worse than what it was. And then it's on the coach, the management, and the training staff for letting him go back in there. Mm -hmm. And that's why when you're in concussion protocol, you know, you got to take the helmets away from them, you know, because they'll try to get a helmet and and get back in the game.
1: Like taking the keys from somebody who
2: you don't want to drive. taking the keys from a drunk driver. I think think in hindsight when Jamal settled down, and he issued an apology as well, Um, when, when, when all is said and done, I think he's smart enough to realize they did what was best for me at that time. As much as I wanted to get back in there, especially with all the studies now of head traumas and how one hit could trigger something much worse than what the initial hit you know, caused, I think he's mature enough and old enough to realize that as much as I want to play that game, it was in my best interest that I didn't finish that game.
1: Yeah, and he, he too put out an apology, Derek. So he said, uh, first and foremost, I want to apologize to the OG. Uh, you did everything right. When you realized I was concussed, I apologize for any negative energy I brought your way. Yeah. Uh, watching the replay, I'm thankful for your patience, knowing I wasn't myself in that moment. You're a real, real one, and you serve a great purpose that benefits the NFL and so many players. Prioritizing health is essential. Must respect to you. Like to me, this is just okay. Everybody's good. Let's just keep it moving. Just keep it moving. Yeah, well, you just, just, yeah, just tell move. you tell Jamal that can't happen again. And if it does, then you know, then yeah, something.
2: Yeah. Then you're fine.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, All right. So good there. Uh, Jonathan Taylor met with the media, Derek. uh, He is practicing now. uh, And he said, look, if I wasn't committed to this team, I wasn't committed to playing. I wouldn't be here. Um, He said, if somebody wasn't committed, they wouldn't be here. I'm here. Um, You know, I, 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 give the guy credit in this sense. Like I think he, he realizes in this wacky market for running backs I may as well just come back if I'm not going to get traded and crush it and then, you know, see where the chips fall from there.
2: Um, I agree. Um, I don't blame him for being upset about the lack of respect uh, that the league seems to give running backs. Now the bottom line is whatever he makes this year is money. He doesn't want to lose uh, and money. He will probably never recoup. Um, And I think you have to take the approach that, you know what, I'll just have to go out there and prove myself and hopefully this team doesn't franchise me. Even if they franchise him next year, the number will go up significantly compared to what he's making now. Uh, still not what he wants long-term, which is a bigger contract for being one of the better running backs in the league. He has nothing to gain by sitting out any further. You, If you, you continue to sit out, you lose a year of accrued service, You know which which goes towards your pension and your benefits down the road. And number two, you're losing a good chunk of money as well. And I think he realized as he's watched these first four games, hey, maybe this Colts team is not as bad as I thought they would be, right? You know, with the rookie quarterback—that's a good point. Balling, yeah. you know, the defense is balling. Uh, I want to get out there with them and see if I can help them. You know, they're two and two. I don't know if anybody thought the Colts would be two and two at this point with a new coach and no Jonathan Taylor running the football for him, but mm-hmm. such, as such is the case. And every team in that division is two and two, so the Colts are right there. And let's face it, the bigger picture is teams that make the playoff get bonuses for every round you go further and further, you know. Uh, and that's extra money in his coffer as well. So Jonathan Taylor has a lot of motivation to get back on the football field, to be seen by 31 other peers, to make his money. And if somehow somebody, the Colts, shock the world and slip into the playoffs, you get, you know, 39000 here, sixty-something thousand there, and who knows? I mean, I don't see them getting to the Super Bowl. But, hey, man, extra money is extra money. I'm with you. You
9: know.
1: So, All right, uh, tonight there is a game tonight. Uh, the bears are playing the commanders, you know, certainly it's been hideous for the bears so far. Um, you know, with, with an O for start here and, uh, you know, the commanders playing, you know, solid football for sure. Coming off of a, a pretty good game last week against the Eagles, which they lost in overtime. There's a lot of stuff swirling around about Matt Everfloos, who is the bears head coach. Um, certainly it has not been pretty. They're three and 18, under him as the head coach with 14 straight losses Um, and they're, they're underdogs tonight as well. I I don't know. Like, I guess I look at it this way. I don't know. This is not me defending Eberflus by any stretch, but did we think this was going to be a good team? Like, did anybody have any notions that they were going to, I mean, I thought, I thought fields would look maybe a little bit better, but you know, they're not good. This is years of just ineptitude catching up to
2: them. Uh, you hate to you hate to say it as such. Uh, I, you know what? I don't care who wins the game. I just hope Justin Fields can go out and play a good game. He's taking so much heat from that Chicago fan base. You know, obviously they're not picked to win this game tonight. I just hope he can go out there and play a game to get a lot of the heat off his back. And I hope it's a competitive game. I really yeah. do. You know, I'm going to watch no matter what happens. I'm going to watch the game, and we're going to talk about it tomorrow as well. Um, but, the, but the Bear situation right now has become an embarrassment for a number of reasons. You know, the team is like just just can't get anything going. Chase Claypool is basically uh, sh- gotten himself shunned from the organization. A coach unexpectedly retires, and you keep hearing a lot of rumors as to what that was, you know, attributed to. Uh Ever is on the hot seat. It's just a mess for a very prideful Chicago Bears organization. This is not something – plus, they're still battling with the stadium issue. They thought they were moving to Arlington. Now it's talking about, you know, they, they may be downtown. And the city of Chicago is trying to get a, a push to keep them downtown, but the Bears already purchased that property in Arlington, uh, Illinois, which is uh, – I've been there many times in Arlington Park for the racetrack. It's a beautiful, expansive uh, a piece of property. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've got to deal with all this mess and the team is losing as well and, and, and not losing pretty. You know look at that lead they blew against Denver this past week. that, yep. that, that epitomizes just that play out- that play
1: where fields get stripped. It was just that was uh, the game.
2: yeah that was you it. Know. yeah you know,
1: So yeah I agree. Uh, I didn't realize I didn't this is the first I heard it I saw it on pro Football talk. the the, the NF or the pro Football hall of fame is going to honor um, Dick Vermeil tonight. Uh, or uh, sorry, Sunday during the Eagles Rams game. I didn't realize that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. He coached the Eagles from seventy six to eighty two, and then he he came back. If you remember, to coach the Rams and won the Super Bowl with the Rams. He was also the first special teams coach in the NFL back in the day with the Rams uh, under George Allen. So they're gonna they're gonna do a little honor of him uh, uh, during the game or prior to the game, I guess uh on on sunday so very cool very cool for dick Vermeil. always good to see yeah, that
2: good to see him get uh recognition for contributions to the history of the league you know because he was a phenomenal coach an emotional coach he was a phenomenal coach and players love playing for him and let's face it uh he had a good measure of success as a coach in the national football league so you know and i've had a chance to sit down and interview him a number of times just a good passionate guy about everything he does including his winery Nice. I've had him on my podcast talking about his winery out in California. Very passionate about everything he does. Very insightful. So I'm happy to see him getting some more notoriety. Well deserved. I am too.
1: Uh, all right, back to the other games this week. So I'm on Ross St. Brown did not practice again today. He didn't practice yesterday either. He's got cool. an abdomen injury, so they may really need Jamison, you know, Williams to, to to come back here if he can't go. Yeah. Uh, that would be a that'd be a big blow, big blow to them.
2: Yeah. How uh, close is Jameson into game shape? That That's going to be huge. Um, yeah.
1: That's a good question. And they have the Panthers. They're home against the Panthers this week. Yeah, right, for what it's
2: yeah. Worth. They're on that fast carpet uh, at home. Uh, I would assume James says um, try to keep himself in shape. But as we know, practice shape is nothing like game shape. You yeah. know, so I wonder how effective he would be in the game, especially if he becomes more of a focal point in that offense. If I'm on Ross, a. Brown can't play Josh Reynolds. Is a great pass catcher as well. But if you're down one of your primary catchers, all of a sudden the next man up gets a few more targets thrown his way. Interesting to see Jameis play, though, because I think he's a phenomenal talent. Um, and I think he's going to help that Bears offense tremendously. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right.
1: This isn't quite the storyline we thought it was going to be if Aaron Rodgers were, was you know playing. But the, uh, the Jets are taking on Denver this week uh, in Denver. We know Nathaniel Hackett was their coach last year. We know Sean Payton crushed him, said one of the worst coaching jobs he's ever seen, uh, you know, et cetera. But when you consider the way that Denver has started this year, even though they did win last week, when you consider there isn't any Rodgers, you know, the Jets aren't off to the same win-loss, you know, that the, they anticipated, it yep. doesn't quite hold the same hype. I, I'll tell you, Derek, I don't really – I don't care about either one of these teams at all. Right. I'd love to see Hackett go in there and beat them. I would love to see it, man, just to stick it to Sean Payton a little bit.
2: I would love to – and not only – but run across the field with a smile on his face. Yes. Extend his hand – to shake his hand to see how Sean Payton would reciprocate.
1: And, and would have be, Zach Wilson deal in the game. Just, just yeah. play great
2: in the game. Have Zach throw for 400 yards, three touchdowns, <laughs> and, and the Jets win that game by double digits.
1: <laughs> that would be – that would be pretty awesome, man. I, I, I got to tell he, you.
2: Are you cynical I, or what? ah.
1: Eh. Whatever, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> Be all good. All good. Uh, all right. Beyond that, so Desmond Ritter claims he's not hearing any of the outside noise uh, about him potentially getting benched. Yeah, he is. Yes, yes he is. Yes. Yeah, I yes. know. It's part of the, it's, it's unfortunately, it's just part of the baggage that you get with that position. You get paid a lot, you get praised a lot, and you get the, everything gets blamed on you. There's not one other position in football, right? Where we, we, we talk about an individual player, like we'll say, uh, so and so's record I- against the the jets is this we don't do that for running backs receivers or defensive players. we do it about quarterbacks
2: um i, I, I couldn't agree with you more uh, in that regard know yeah. yeah yeah could
1: be interesting gonna be interesting oh let me give you this real quick before we get out of here with, with we, we got tim coming up next. So Travis Kelsey and Jason were on the podcast, New Heights, their podcast. And and both were like, all right, it is getting over the top with the whole Taylor Swift thing, basically. Right. But Jason also, I mean, Travis also said, I did bring this on myself. He did say that in fairness. but So a a very interesting story from the New York Post by Andrew Marshon, who does a great job covering the media. I always enjoy reading his stuff. But he said, he reported that the NFL asked, the networks where the chiefs games were on and Taylor Swift was in attendance, asked them to run promos of her movie for free as to curry good favor with her because the end game here, Derek is to get her to do halftime. She has never done halftime mm. and they want her to do halftime. Now, typically on the NBC Sunday night game, a 32nd spot costs $1 million. Yeah. So to get that kind of free advertising for her movie is crazy. So somebody's footing that bill in the league office. So they are clearly making a move, and Taylor Swift is good business for the NFL because they're trying to grow a demographic: younger women. The whole night,
2: and not and, and just uh, uh, marginal football fans are now tuning in just to see her up in the press box, jumping up and down, hugging Mama Kelsey. Let's face it. Uh, she's doing the NFL a favor because every week it enhances their overall numbers in terms of viewership. The least they could do is give her a, a free promo spot, you know, for an upcoming movie. The NFL, NFL is a cash cow, man. You got to follow the money trail. Yep. NFL knows this leads to more money for them. And she knows being there helps what she needs, whether it's her music or this this movie. Yes. <clears throat> you know, money begots money. Plain and simple.
1: Yep. Couldn't be more
2: true. Couldn't be more true.
1: All right, let's uh, let's hit it, let's come back. We'll talk to Tim Parker from uh, Spectrum News, Southern California, Spectrum Net. We'll talk uh, Eagles-Rams with Tim when we get back. Don't go anywhere. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, hanging out with you. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm going to tell you about Flynn Tree Services. They are an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They are experts at trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. You go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at flyntreeservices.com. That's flyntreeservices.com.
6: And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods
5: that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshana is where you need to come. You can benefit from the
6: same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wolbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675.
1: Yes, welcome in. Welcome back. Appreciate you hanging out with us. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. All right, excited. I have I haven't had the opportunity to talk to our our next guest in a while, man. Uh and he is done good for himself out there in Southern California. He is a reporter for Spectrum News, Southern California as well as Spectrum Sports Net, and he is the one and only Tim Parker. Today, good to see you, my up? man.
9: What's up, guys? How you feeling? Good, man. How you been? <laughs> Loving sunshine. You know, I'm soft. I'm a little bit soft now. And I realized that in 2021, I was sitting in the bleachers at Dodger Stadium and I'm like shivering. I turn around, look at the scoreboard. It's 65 degrees. <laughs> I'm oh like, God. This is embarrassing. <laughs> we got to take your Philly card, Tim. Yeah. Your
1: Philly card's getting taken. Brother. I know. I know. Oh. Yeah, I mean, you, you might have to take it. That's awesome, man. So for for people who may not know, so uh, Derek and I used to work with Tim at NBC Sports Philadelphia. In fact, uh, Tim and I worked together on Breakfast on Broad. Tim did an excellent job as one of our producers for the show. I'm so proud of him uh, for what he's done. He went from behind the camera, which is not an easy move. I did it myself, to in front of the camera. And he's out there in Southern California crushing it, man. So I'm, I'm very proud of you, brother. I am very proud of you. Appreciate
9: it, man. Grinding away, man. I'm gonna fight us a Sunday. Yes, yeah, gonna be fun. Gunner, go ahead. You you want to fire away?
2: Yeah. Um. Um. All right. I gotta get your expert. I'm I'm so excited to say this. Your expertise opinion uh, of this matchup, and I gotta start with these receivers, man, because your receivers out there have been the one of the talks of the league. Who the heck is Paku uh, uh, Paku Nakoa and Tutu Atwell, man? Give people on the East Coast a better perspective
9: of who these 22- and 23-year-olds are, man. Okay, so let me start with Tutu because Puka is obviously the obvious story of this year. But let me give you a little background about Tutu. Tutu is what Puka should have been last year. Uh, You know, the Rams have a philosophy of F them picks, right? And so in in many ways it hurts them, but if you hit, you look like a genius. And so Tutu didn't do what what people thought he would do last year year, but obviously the Rams didn't do what people thought they would do last year, so now he's yeah. stepping up in his second year taking that progression. as of When it comes to Puka, they found a fine, but we kind of saw this in training camp. You know how you see those viral catches during like, or they go on social media during training camps, but you really don't know if that really matters when it comes to the NFL gameplay? was matter? And not only is he making big plays, he's making consistent plays, and to me it was surprising that it wasn't until that game winner on Sunday that he got his yeah. first uh, NFL touchdown. Despite all the yards he's been racking up throughout the first three weeks of the season.
1: Tim, Tim how much of this is these guys are just legit, man. And, and with Tutu, he's finally you know developed into what they thought he was going to be. Versus McFay is just coaching his butt off this year with some of the shortcomings
9: with Cup not being there this far. thus far. It's three things. It's McVay, McVay factor. We obviously know, but he's been the boy one there. He's not so much a boy anymore, but, but yeah. he's been that guy since he's got to uh, Los Angeles. And that's the first thing. The second thing is Matthew Stafford is key because you, if you have a steady quarterback, a professional quarterback, then you got a guy who knows how to find open receivers. That's the, the second thing. Also, big for 2 2's progression because he had better Mayfield. Uh, whoever else they threw out there last year because Stafford was gone for so much of the year. So that's a big part of it. And obviously, Cooper Cup not being there helps because to me, when after they lost Beckham and free agency and stuff like that, or oh, he was injured too, after that Super Bowl,
8: mm-hmm.
9: you saw early in the year, Stafford was forcing the ball to cut, right? He was just forcing it down his throat. He didn't even look at Van Jefferson. He didn't look at anybody else. Now with Cup being gone, you can actually see the offense being the offense. You can see how he's looking for other receivers. Now, I feel like Van Jefferson so far has kind of been the odd man out of this uh, renaissance that the Rams offense is having. But I think the McVay factor, Stafford factor, and not having Cup has helped these receivers flourish and helped Stafford kind of find his game again.
2: All right, so Tim, let, you mentioned his name, Cooper Cup, and a lot of people on the East Coast are saying, oh my goodness, if he plays, it's going to make the job that much difficult for an already porous Eagles uh, passing defense. What are you hearing? We heard he's back in practice, and there's a possibility he could be playing and making his season debut against Philadelphia on Sunday. What are you hearing?
9: If I had to bet you guys a taco or a cheesesteak, you know, whatever, I would say he's I, playing. I was uh-oh. playing. Uh, yeah, yesterday, I mean, that, that's not a fact. That's not yeah. certified, but he looked good in practice yesterday. McVeigh was like, they had him listed on the injury report as limited. And McVeigh's like, nah, that's his formality. He's out there. Because they really wanted to see if he can go. So he really took part in practice for real yesterday. And, there's, and I know Cooper Cup. Actually, fun fact he trains at the boxing gym I train at. So he's a dog. Wow. And I there you know. Go. Yeah, yeah. So I know he uh, is. Uh, trying to get back out there. There's no he's he loves football too much. He's actually a football head. He's not about himself. He's he's a one star receiver who is not a, a diva at all. I remember during that Super Bowl run, we talked to him about, hey, you know, you don't ever we don't know anything about you. And he's like, he's uncomfortable with intention. So he's literally all about football. That's why it's no way. Especially playing a team like the Eagles, mm. I would put my money that he's playing on Sunday.
1: All right, let no. me, let me st- let's stay on the injury front, Tim, for a second. We know Stafford's hip injury. It's a hip pointer, and he was really struggling towards the end of last week, man, with that thing. And he, he hung in there, to his credit. What's the deal with him? How how healthy do you think he is? Is there any chance he doesn't play in the game on Sunday?
9: I don't think there's any way he doesn't play. But what I would say I would focus on even more than Stafford, that offensive line, which we can talk about yeah. for a while. But Joe yeah. Notebloom. The offensive lineman, if he doesn't go, that's, with the Eagles defensive line, that's big, big trouble because Joe Newbl- Newblum is kind of a big part of that new offensive line post-Andrew Whitworth, which, again, the offensive line having injury troubles last year was another reason the Rams had so many was Probably probably Matthew Stavik got hurt because the mm-hmm. offensive line simply wasn't good enough. It's kind of, kind of piecing itself back together. so said they will need Joe Newblum out there. To play, but I think is going to go. I think he's a professional. He knows how to do it. I'm not really concerned about him, but it is something to watch. Tim, what, do you have a gauge yet on what the
2: identity of this team is? I mean, they come out and shock the world the season opener. They beat Seattle. They play the 49ers tough, lose by seven. They lose by three on the road at Cincinnati, and then they win a tough game in overtime. I don't think a lot of people thought they would be sitting here at 2-2, two and two, but the bottom line is based on the numbers, they're not that far off from being a
9: consistently competitive team. I think they are consistently a consistently pe- competitive team. You know, it's an interesting way we look at it in Los Angeles. A lot of people are like, hey, man, some people like, start tanking for Caleb Williams, USC guy, stay in LA, try <laughs> to get him. But we knew McVeigh is not going to come back for that. And, you know, I don't think they have an identity. Like, that's kind of the issue with them. Like, they got rid of Cam Akers. I don't know. It was like, it felt like a personal thing with them getting rid of him. Cause like, he's a pretty good running back. Minnesota scooped him up real yeah. quick. So they got rid yeah. of him. You don't know what the running game necessarily yeah. is. You got a, the offense with Matthew Stafford, where it's kind of like, you know, he's going to air it out, but you don't, really, you know what I mean? Like you don't know what this offense really is. And defensively is one, one dude, dude and Aaron Donald. So like, there's kind of like, they don't have an identity, but here's the identity I would say, if I could identify one, it would be, they're going to grind it out. They're going to coach well. They going to compete well, and they're going to be in every game. And when people were talking about them being a four-win team or, you know, uh, being in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, I never thought that. I thought it would definitely compete well within the division because obviously you got, Seattle's not a world beater. Mm-hmm. And they, they, we saw that week one, mm-hmm. um, you know 49ers are going to be tough. And then the Cardinals are the Cardinals. So, you, so all right, that's five wins just like that. If you, you still won from San Francisco, win, you know, three to four wins just like that in the division. So I, my prediction for them was going to be an eight-win team. Hey, now if you still a few games, it's eight to nine wins. This is not a bad team. This is a dangerous team if you take them lightweight. Mm. Tim, let's go to the other side. We haven't talked much
1: about their defense, uh, but I, Derek and I were talking about looking at their numbers. Pretty good across the board here. Uh, what, what Other than Aaron Donald, who we all know about, who should we be looking out for in this game? What do they do
9: particularly well? Uh, you know, I would say Quentin Lake, the young cornerback, is, is a pretty good young player for them. I think the issue with them is that they don't – you know, the Rams used to have Sebastian Joseph Day uh, yep. in, in, in the defensive line. They had, you know, studs mm-hmm. that Aaron Donald had a, a somebody to play off of. Mm-hmm. Now they don't have that. They're still – looking to find that yeah. next guy. Mm-hmm. And then the secondary, when you lose a guy like Jalen Ramsey, again, not your secondary, you're depending on young players. But with that, you guys know, young, hungry players play. Because not only are they trying to, to win, they're trying to get paid. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what you have with this Ram secondary is a bunch of young, hungry guys trying to make a mark. But I think with, with them, they're not going to lose a game for you. Which, When you look at this matchup, I would say it's incumbent upon the Eagles to take it, which we haven't seen in the first few weeks. Right. And mm-hmm. the Rams are not going to just give you anything. I think for this week, I think that's kind of the issue. The, the Eagles will have to jump on a team early, which they haven't really been doing. They've been just like, oh, okay, lollygagging, and then mm-hmm. taking home with the win. I guess this Rams team, no, nah, you're going to have to come out and compete because the Rams are going to be in the game if you don't.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey Tim, I had mentioned it to uh, Robert earlier in the show. For as dominant of a player as Aaron Donald is, perennial Defensive Player of the Year, he's never played extremely well against the Eagles. He's never had a sack against the Eagles. Have you guys brought that up to him about
9: how pedestrian like he's been against the Eagles? He talks today, so we have we haven't we we haven't brought it up to him. But ah, does, yeah, uh, yeah, I just yeah, gave yeah.
2: you a question right there. See? <laughs>
9: <laughs> Thank you. You know, I appreciate it. Uh, so he talks on Thurs—he he talks on Thursdays, but I one thing about Aaron Donald is that he doesn't have to get sacked. You know, he leaves the NFL and like, pressures. So, yep. like, it doesn't matter as long as he's getting to the quarterback, which is what I was saying about the accompaniment. If you get it, that's another guy to step up. They take those sacks. You know how it is with um, Fletcher clocks back in the day. Mm-hmm. Other guys would eat off of that. Yeah, yep. And that's kind of how it is with Aaron Donald, you know, um, he's the leader of that. I watched him in practice; he's always the first to do everything. So all the other guys kind of go as he goes. Um, but doesn't matter if he gets sacked. The fact that he's applying pressure, that's going to be the issue. But I will say one thing that's I think has been susceptible: the, the Rams' defense, even with him, all throughout the years, running hurt, running quarterbacks have hurt them, in the sense of Jalen Hurts, because they're all attacking. Right, if you get a guy like Jalen, particularly with their RPO, you can kind of take that pressure off of your offensive line or off your quarterback because the Rams are in attack mode. And I think RPOs and running quarterbacks have been a kind of weakness with this Rams defense over the last few years, even with the success they've had.
3: I, I
1: want to get your take on the Eagles, but I do want to hit you with one more Rams here, Tim. Uh, Stafford, we talked about you know, he's a pro, he's tough, all those kind of things. What kind of season do you think he's had? I know that the receiver's numbers are really good, but his numbers, if you just look at them on face, are kind of eh.
9: How's he played this year? Kind of eh. Yeah. You know, like, like, he, like he's played enough to win games. You look at the Seattle game. Okay, he did enough. The 49ers game, he cost him the game. With, with, with that interception mm-hmm. late in the game was unnecessary. Or like he tries to be a hero sometimes. Yeah. You remember that in that Super Bowl, that no-look pass, Yeah, he he tries. There's a lot of hero ball with Matthew Stafford, but it's also a lot of smart, smart ball, too, because he's a veteran. He's been in the league for 15 years, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. The fact that he still has like two more years on his deal and he's been in the league. Are you kidding me? Like, Mm -hmm. so he's been in the league for 15 years. So, you know, he's reliable. But because when you're a veteran, you know, you can make certain plays. He does. He costs you sometimes with hero ball. Now, last week, he just didn't have any time to throw the ball. And then maybe that hip is a factor as well. But so I think the results are what they are. You know, you have a chance with him, but it's not like Kirk Cousins, where you, at the end of the day, you feel like you're going to just like fall apart. I think with Stafford, you believe he's going to make a play. It's, the, yeah. it's just a question of, is he going to or not? And I think in the games they won, he, he show, they, they won the games kind of that they're supposed to win their 2 and 2. That Seattle game, yes, they still won, but it wasn't like again they were playing the Cowboys or something like right. that was a winnable game. And then they lost to the 49ers, and then they went into a buzzsaw with Cincinnati. And, mm. But but that but that Cincinnati game is a game they should have won.
2: Right.
9: If you look back at it, that's a game they should have won. The offense just didn't do enough. You had a, a one leg Joe Burrow out there. That's a game the Rams should have win, should have won. And now if you look at this week. It's a matchup where the Rams are going. I believe we're going to play well. I won't give my prediction yet, but I, I believe it's a situation the Rams are going to play well. It's just, oh, oh, yeah. But it's just the con- the consistency, like you talked about with Stafford. Mm-hmm. It's kind of meh. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of mad, but meh is better than last year. I, <laughs> you know, so yeah, I hear you. Well, so let's uh,
1: let's talk about the. I know you keep a close eye on, on Philadelphia sports, Tim. But let so let's get give me yeah. the, the Eagles. It's four and zero, no question. Obviously, there's two teams still undefeated but they haven't quite looked offensively, really, or defensively in some ways, like the team we saw last year. You, you just view it as growing pains early on in the season? Well, how, do you, how do you view what's going on with the birds here?
9: I, I think it's all on the offense because if the offense comes out and, and you know, runs rough shot on their opponent, then you allow that defensive line to do their job. You allow, you know, uh, Nolan Carter, you, 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 you allow that defensive line to go crazy, you know, Joss Sweat, like their, their defensive line is probably goes back to the old school days of Reggie White and all that type of stuff. If you that defensive line is is the best part of the, of the Eagles team outside of Jalen. So if the Eagles don't get up on games, they got a problem. I, I think that's the issue, and that's what concerns me for you guys for this week. I think the Rams will hang around. Because the Eagles have not shown the ability to put a team away yet at all. The, an inferior team, they, look at the commanders. Allow them to hang around, be in the yep. game, stuff like that. So I think the Eagles, for them, they got to figure out a way to show what they can do early offensively. And I think that's their kind of the biggest issue right now. At least from, you know, from being outside looking in.
2: Right. right. Speaking of offense, what do you think about the, uh, what DeAndre Swift has added to this offense?
9: Amazing, 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 because I didn't think, you know, you come from a guy from Detroit, you knew he was good, but I didn't think he was going to be that good, a game changer. A lot of today's NFL is just running backs are just holding a spot. You know, yeah. you use them yeah. to get a couple of yards. If you bust them, Break. DeAndre, DeAndre Swift is showing he has that shady effect where he can make plays, you know, in the open field, but also having that offensive line which yep. has been a, a steady rock, Statlin University for years, is a big, big thing because when you get him a hole, then you, you pretty much forget it because he's going to make the guy miss. He has that ability. He's added a lot. Again, that's another thing the Rams have to worry about this weekend because if he gets going, then you have that play action and then it's, it's toast for them. Mm. Especially with that young secondary. You got two studs with Devontae and A.J. Brown on the outside. Yeah. And, and by the way, man,
1: DeAndre's dad... Have have we seen this oh, guy? Woo. Woo! Okay. So, yo, Tim, you, think, you yeah, might yeah, remember so, this. We had him, we had the whole family on Breakfast on Broad when he announced his commitment to Georgia,
9: DeAndre Swift. It's it's
1: true. Fun fact there, I, right? I don't
9: remember that. I, I, yes. I don't remember that. Wow. Isn't that crazy? And you know what? Funny, I think I covered DeAndre because I was in at Atlanta for a while. Yep. Um, I think I covered him a little bit too. So yeah, I remember, like, oh, that's the Philly guy, but I yep. forgot about, maybe I do remember him being on breakfast on broad, but I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was the stuff from the jump.
2: No doubt. No doubt. Hey, hey Tim to get away from football for just a moment, because you, you, you thought you said something off the top of our discussion, how you've grown soft since you've become <laughs> a West coaster. Are you a West coaster now for life or will you ever come back East?
9: I never thought I was going to be a West coaster. So, so I can't, I, I can't, I can't tell you about coming back East, but I, you know, I, I love it out here. Um, obviously it's the sports are not the sports of Philadelphia. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but I will tell you this, Dodgers are not going to a Dodgers game or it's like going to an Eagles game. That is yeah. the one that is the one team. Now, it's it's so crazy looking at what happened with the Phillies, or look, last year and the first two games of their postseason this year. Even Dodger Stadium is not going to be Red October. I think Red October gets crazier than a link.
1: Yes. Like, no. No.
9: It's not even like, so, but in terms of, like, the fandom that I think is most respected, and I respect the most out here, is the Dodgers. Dodger Stadium, like, Saturday night is going to be crazy. And even opening day, it feels like I'm at the link. Nice. I,
2: know, yeah. I know what you mean about West Coast life. I lived out there for a while. Um, and, and man, it's it's. I lived out in San Diego between San Diego and Imperial Valley back and forth for several years. Hey, man, that Southern California life is tough to give up, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, it, it, it is.
9: It's great. It's like I always say when I come back home to Philadelphia, I'm either in humidity or cold, so it sucks. You know, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what times I come back home, it is it, not good. All right, weather aside, Tim, what do you what do you
1: like best about Southern California living?
9: Hmm, the weather. Oh, i'm sorry you said the weather aside. <laughs> uh, uh, what I don't know, like I I, I I I don't know. Everybody, I guess because of the weather, everybody's relaxed. Which right. okay, you guys, if you guys dig you know if you guys came out to Southern California, to L.A., you would dominate because, like, these guys out here, like, every, everything's okay. Everything's, like, everybody's, like, yep. mosey, rosy. La land. Land. Like, yeah. yeah. You come out here with an East Coast mentality, man. Like, sometimes I ask questions in press conferences, like, and I feel like, like, okay, okay, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. <laughs> uh, I, I, a, a couple, it was, like, mid, late on. August, the Dodgers have won eight in a row, or it's like sixteen out of eighteen. And I'm like, "Hey, Dave, are you guys peeking too soon?" And he got pissed. <laughs> <laughs> what? And I'm like, I'm like, this is a legitimate question. Yeah. Now, now, now. To be fair, I would say maybe. I effed the ante by saying, considering how last year in, ended in the NLDS. Oh, right. like, yeah. little, little. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. OK. I maybe mean, it's maybe, But no, but I thought that's something that we would hear on a random August. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at Citizen's Main Park. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but so I feel like, OK, what I'll say, what I've learned from that, having that Philly mentality and learning how to stage a question. Yeah. Is I think that's making make me better as a journalist. Knowing I can't go Howard Eskin mode yes. out here, but figuring out how to go that way in a concise, intelligent way has made me in, a better journalist. In a more
2: delicate way, you know. <laughs>
9: yeah. <See, laughs> yeah.
2: Yes, when, yes. You know, when I when I lived there, I, I was in a six point nine, I experienced a six point nine earthquake. What's the worst earthquake you've experienced since you've been there?
9: Uh you know, I, I think I've, the, the big earthquakes have been kind of remote. So okay. you, I, There was actually an earthquake that I felt at SoFi Stadium the day we had the hurricane. It wasn't a hurricane. Right. So the right. day we had right. that, the, the hurricane, we felt the stadium shake, and there was an earthquake while we had a tropical storm in Southern California. And so that wasn't that bad because it was so far away, but I, there was one a couple years ago where I felt it was like, a five, six magnitude. But again, it was further remote. Thank God we've kind of been lucky Mm -hmm. that we haven't had anything since I've been here. Nothing close to 94, obviously. Well, I don't want to tell
2: you this, but you know, the three major faults in California run from San Francisco straight down through LA and then through the middle of the state. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to do to this guy? I mean, come on, man.
9: I'm just giving you some history to get ready, man, because it's coming. I'm just telling you, bro. Hey May, hey. Hopefully, I'm on vacation back home or somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) When when that goes down. Uh, All right, Tim. Tim, last one, man. I know you
1: cover a lot of news too. What's more rewarding? What do you like doing better as a reporter?
9: Sports or news? Sports, like because, like, so. Which is when I first got here. I was Like, oh, you know, we're going to have you doing some, you know, you know, whatever. What are your beats? What are your beats that I'm going to cover? I was like, all right. So I want to do entertainment sports and politics.
1: Okay.
9: And then it was like, you like, well, we got somebody to do sports already. know, whatever. I just kind of kept busting the door down. And now it's kind of, because remember we are the sports spectrum sports that has been there for 10 years. We have, we have the Dodgers rights. We have the Lakers rights. You know, we kind of have that. Yeah. Um. So on the new side, the new side was fairly new. So, They really didn't have the wherewithal to cover sports. So we kind of, on our own, Mm. built, on a new side, the sports department. Obviously, having that relationship with the Dodgers and Lakers helped helped us immensely. Sure. But we kind of slowly – because, you know, we know how to do this. Yeah. So we kind of built how to cover NFL, how to cover, um, you know, not the NBA because we have Lakers, but, you know, how to cover – sure. Uh, you know, different different sports outside of the Lakers and Dodgers, and, mm-hmm. and, we, and, we, and we've done it well. Covered, I guess, uh, two Super Bowls Nice. Since that time. Yeah. That's
2: hey awesome. Tim, give me a job out there, man. Give me a job. <laughs> <laughs> quit, being self, quit being selfish, man. Give me a job.
9: You don't want to come out. You don't want to come out here. You're comfortable, man. Like, I, what? what, what you been my wife, this, my wife is from Southern California. She would love me. You've been saying this for 15 years. More.
2: He he always says it. He always says
9: it. Yeah, you've been saying this for 15 years, man. <laughs> what? And then they, I want to get back out of the sunshine. Like, you know, you love it in Philly. Like, because Philly is home, man. Like, once you, once you, once Philly loves you, look at Trey Turner, man. One thing, real quick, real quick on the Phillies. Yeah. When the Dodgers, uh, when the Phillies signed Trey Turner, I felt like that was the best thing for the Phillies because I feel like the Phillies and Dodgers were two polar opposite teams. Right. right. The Phillies were a grinded out heart, team full of heart, needed a little bit more talent. The Dodgers were just a bunch of big contracts with not a lot of heart, in my mm. opinion. Yeah. Now, Trey Turner's gone. You got James Altman, young guys, hungry guys that are playing. I feel like it's the opposite effect. Interesting. Dodgers got what they needed. Philly's got what they needed. All right.
1: Tim, yeah. listen, man. Keep up the great work. Follow him on Twitter slash X at Timothy Parker TV. Broadcaster for Spectrum LA. Covers news, covers sports, covers entertainment. He does it all, man. Tim, we appreciate it. good insight.
2: Thank you, man. Yes, sir. So proud, and, um, so proud to see you doing well, man. I'm, I'm so proud of you. Um, and by the way, my resume is coming, man. It's
9: coming. <laughs> Let me give you my prediction before okay. I get out of here. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Rams. I oh, know, no, no, Eagles. <laughs> Eagles twenty nine, Rams eighteen. Twenty
1: 29-18. 18?
9: Okay. okay. The, yeah, because like, the, the, who has who are the Eagles not giving up at least fifteen to so far this season? Even that that pitiful Mac Jones, uh, Patriots offense. The Eagles are giving points. I thought you said the
2: Rams. I thought you were going to say the Rams are going to score like 25, 27 No, points.
9: no, no. I don't think. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. But but a, a big key of this is getting is the Eagles. The Eagles will dictate how this game goes. It could be a forty point blowout, but I don't Ooh. think so. I I don't don't think so, but the Eagles will dictate. And so far, they've shown they're going to just grind it out. Gotcha. Tim, thanks, man. Appreciate a couple minutes. Hopefully we'll talk to you
1: soon. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Take care. That's Tim Parker uh, from Southern California. Give us the lowdown on the Rams there. All right. Let's get a timeout here, D-Gunn. And when we come back, Billy Crocker, head coach of Eastern University, their football program. We will speak with him when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Right back.
5: I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We were big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget.
0: Go to get your game on.
6: On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
4: Champions on three. One, two, three. Because
6: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
2: Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner.
4: Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now.
1: Soganow helps kids in under resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the
0: corners of our communities where light and love are needed most.
4: When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you.
1: Man, time flies when you're having fun. We roll into the final segment of the program here on this Thursday. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are joined, as we are each and every Thursday, by the head football coach, Eastern University, Billy Crocker. Coach, uh, welcome are you? in. How you doing?
12: Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing how, great. How rested,
1: how bright-eyed and bushy-tailed <laughs> are you? having your bye week there you know it's
12: it's almost like when you know when you go on vacation and you come home and you're a little more retired than when you you left that's exactly how a bye week is sometimes
2: (laughs) that's not good okay all right hey coach i know i know when you you get a bye week it's all about crunching the numbers the x's and o's the pluses and minuses but you're human like everybody else did you take a moment to step away from the game and just breathe and if so what did you do Absolutely. We, we gave our players uh, Friday and Saturday.
12: I mean, I'm sorry, Saturday and Sunday off um, as I did the, the coaching staff as well. So I was able to catch some of my kids games, uh, you know, for once, which we have three young ones and they're all playing at the same time at different locations, which makes things very difficult for my wife because I'm not much of a help usually. Um, and I actually played in a um, in a fundraiser golf outing on Saturday. So yeah.
1: Very cool. Well, look, that's good. That's good. All right. Let me ask you this from a positive standpoint. What is the thing that has pleasant that that pleasantly surprised you the most about your? I'm going to say first half of the season. I don't know if it's exactly first. Your first half of the season. What's the thing you'd say? Wow, I'm, I'm I like where we're going there. I like this.
12: Yeah, I think there's there's a lot there's a lot of it. You know, I think it's one. I think the attitude and the demeanor of our players is, is a the most important thing, but was, is, is the most positive because they, you know, they don't get too down um, and, and they come to practice every day, ready to work um, and wanting to get better. And I think that's, that's huge. Um, you know, cause I've, I've seen it the other way. Um, and that, that makes things really challenging um, all the way around, you know, but um, so I think just the attitude, you know, the want to, the desire to, to show up every day um, and continue to get better, um, I think is the, and take coaching, I think is probably the most positive thing that I've seen, you know, come out, which I think is big And then because I think you can build everything off of that, um, you know, and, and again, I think there's been glimpses of um, a lot of good things on the field, um, you know, that we continue to do well and rep and practice. And, and I think we're at a spot now where, you can kind of figure, okay, hey, this is this is kind of who we are. The, these are sort of the strengths. This is what we can do. This is what we can't do, and then try to minimize obviously what we can't do and, and keep building on the things that we've done so you know pretty well so far.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so, coach, when we last talked to you, you said you were going to take an honest look, look at um, um, individuals and group groupings yep. and see what alterations you might have to make. With that said, um, are you making changes to starting lineups on both sides of the ball? Whether a lot or a few?
12: Yeah, just a few. You know, to be honest with you, um, you know, I think it's you know we kind of know who our guys are to an extent, or um, yeah. the guys that can that can help us win ball games. You know, and and you know then I think it's more on us to put those kids in the position to you know help us win. You know what I mean? It's you know defensively. Hey, listen. You know, we got to do maybe less of this and, you know, a little bit more of this or, or we got we to pull back a lot, you know, in, in all areas. You know, I, you know sometimes, as you guys know, less is more, you know, yeah. and, you know, because it all looks good up on the board. And, and I said this to the coaching staff, you know, this past week too was, listen, I know who we want to be, you know, what you want your schemes to be. I said, but reality is, you know, football is a personnel game. And, you know, you know, if we can't do it, then you know we gotta, you know we gotta change course a little bit to do what we can with with the you know with the players that we do have currently.
1: We're speaking with Coach uh, Billy Crocker there, and you can catch all of Coach's games on AM nine ninety. Actually, Tone, do we have the schedule? I want to let everybody know because you guys are back at it this week, Coach. You had the bye week yep. uh, certainly, uh, and but back at it, which I'm sure you're you're very excited about. So uh, this this upcoming Saturday misericordia so tell us a little bit about them what they bring to the table
12: yeah no they're uh again they're they're a little ways away from us just you know outside of Wilkes bear there so it's you know it's a little bit of a trip for us it's a noon kickoff so it's a little bit early so we got to get going
1: will you leave in the morning coach or the night before
12: uh morning okay um yeah that's kind of how it operates and again it's something I've had to adjust to. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, normally
1: you go the night
8: the day before. Normally, <laughs> you no matter where it
12: is, you travel the night before. Um, even home games, I've been playing we stayed in hotels. Um, yeah. So this is all new. Um, getting all that stuff in order, um, you know. But they're they're a pretty veteran team again, um, who's had some you know a little bit of ups and downs. I, I do think it's a team we match up uh, better with, um, uh, you know, um, you know down the road uh, in terms of. Some things, but again, their 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 offensive line is big and experienced. Their defensive line is again pretty big and experienced. And right now, that's where we struggle a little bit, just because of how young we are and, and who we're playing at those spots.
1: Hey, real quick, Gunner, let me. I want to let people know we have it up on the screen now. Uh, you, you have your uh, Eastern Eagle Classic, Coach, October seventeenth. Uh, yep. Tournament sponsorships are there. You can see. Uh, you want to give us a little information? Yeah, about no, that, I think it's get involved. it's
12: great yeah no this is a huge fundraiser for our whole athletic department um and they and they really do it first class it's really the reason i i you know we we wanted to mention it because um this year it's actually being held at waynesboro country club um out there towards newtown square area um which is i've played it before that's a phenomenal great course course. um so if someone's looking to get on one of the best courses in the area this would be an opportunity but you know, but it's it's all first class in terms of, you know, what's what's, you know, the golfers will get prior to the round, what they'll get after the round, um, what's available to them throughout the round. So um, it's a really good day and a really important thing for us. So if anyone's out there, you know, looking to get on a good course and, and support, you know, what, what is a hugely growing athletic department here at Eastern, uh, you can go right to, you know, go Eastern and, and register right there if you want to get on. And you don't need to be affiliated with Eastern at all. Um, you know, to to join and, and jump in and play.
1: GoEasternEagles.com.
2: Okay, go just to let everybody know. Sorry, go ahead, Gunner. Yeah, Coach. Uh, w- when I look at your matchup coming up this week, the one common denominator you have is you. But you guys both beat Alvernia. Yes. Uh, so uh, I'm looking at their numbers. They they they're running the ball for 158 mm-hmm. yards a game. They're throwing it for 223 and a half a game. Yep. Where do you want to Where do you want to stop first from a defensive standpoint? The running game or the aerial game?
12: To me, it's always the run. It's okay. always the run. Um, that's just who I've been for years. I just feel if you can't, it'll be a long, um, tough day. Um, especially, and it's just you know the the college game is just so much different than the pro game. I think you know what I mean. Where it, the running is is the priority. I think for majority of teams no matter what level and you got to be able to stop that and you know if you can make it one-dimensional um you know then maybe we can get after the quarterback a little bit in there but i I, i'm always said, if we don't stop the run we're in for a long
1: day coach listen best of luck this week man we'll look next week we'll be talking about a win
12: absolutely all right Yeah. Our win, the Eagles win, the Phillies win.
3: We're all we Eagles um,
1: win. Your Eagles, the other Eagles, you know it's everybody. Like,
2: yeah, it's, it's Camelot, the city of
12: brotherly love.
3: Yeah, well, oh, all
1: right. Give us. Have you had a chance to check out some Phillies? I know we'll,
12: we'll absolutely. Jump yeah, yeah we were up late. The kids were tired in the morning because we're watching both games. <laughs> That's a good tired though. It's That's a good the, tired, but I yeah. get to. I get the You know, even my wife's on board because she grew up right here in Conshohocken, so uh, she um, she's on board with with letting them watch. And oh yeah, I mean that was. That place was electric. Um, and you could just feel it on TV. Um, even when you have the national announcers doing the games and what how they're talking about it, you know yeah. it's not. You know, obviously it's not a bias. It's they're just that 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 just looked electric. And that that speaks volumes of what this area is for in terms of sports. Good stuff
2: well, well, since you're broadening your sports spectrum, I'm going to throw this one at you. I'm going to put you on a hot seat. Oh boy, what do you think about the James Harden scenario with the Sixers? <laughs> Listen. He,
12: and my, no, listen, my son's big, big hoop guy. Like, that's all he, you know. Um, I don't know. Again, I know there's so many different things that go into it, but I've always, as a coach, you always want guys who want to be there. Um, I just think that's that's huge. I mean, obviously, would he help them win? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's obviously, you know, argue, un, you can't argue that he's, he's talented, as talented as there is maybe in, in the NBA. But I don't know, sometimes if, if that's – if it doesn't work, then then it's then, then you're not going to get the results you want you know and i've always been and i know again i know it's a whole different ball game yeah. but i've always wanted guys hey you, you want i want guys like i tell the guys in recruiting if you want to go somewhere else i'm good like i i'm fine like best of luck to you i'm good like yeah. Yeah. i want guys who want to be here and i think that's important really in in any team you know organization workplace you know all that kind
3: of good stuff yep yeah. yep yeah.
12: yeah.
1: Well said, coach. We appreciate it. We're looking forward to next week. Thanks. Right, Good luck this week. Thank you very much. Uh, take care. That is head coach, Billy Crocker, uh, Eastern university uh, football program. And they are back at it this week. Again, go EasternEagles.com If you want to contribute or, or take part in the, uh, in the golf founding. should be a lot of fun. All right, got we mentioned this um, every wild card series in major league baseball was a sweep uh, over the last, the course of the last two days. So let's set the table for who's playing who. OK, uh, coming up, we know obviously the Phillies are playing the Braves. We know that. And what we know so far is uh, the Phillies will be at six oh seven yep. on Saturday and six oh seven on Monday, which actually really works out perfectly. Philly Saturday, Eagle Sunday, Phillies Monday. Yep. So there you go. No conflict at all uh, there. But your other matchups. <clears throat> so the early game, the one o'clock. Uh, is the the both uh, the AL games are first, so you have the Rangers and the Orioles, which sets up to be a really good one at one o'clock. That game's in Baltimore. Then four forty-five, it's the Twins and the Astros. That game's in Houston. Then the Phillies at six against the Braves, and then the late game is the the dangerous Diamondbacks against the Dodgers. So that that's your that's your AL NL and AL DS matchups.
2: You have, you have four great matchups here. I mean, the Twins rallied to win their division. They bumped Toronto in two straight. Now you have to take on a defending world champion, uh, Astros, who fought tooth and nail just to get into the playoffs all the way down to the very end. What a race that was between Texas, Houston, and Seattle just to see who was getting into the playoffs. But the bottom line is the champs are back in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be a great series. Um, this Orioles-Texas series is going to be serious, you know. And Arizona, you know, Arizona didn't win their division. The the Dodgers just smoked everybody out west in that division. But Arizona, man, they've got the pitching. They can hit. The Dodgers are going to find – the Dodgers already know they're going to be in for a a tussle, you know. I'm sure they're happy about playing Arizona more than having to deal with Philadelphia first. But that's going to be a series as well. And the thing is, man, there's small room for error in all these series because it's a three out of five and out of four out of seven. Exactly.
1: Yeah. This is this is man. You can't play around. I mean, it, it is. You're right. Five games. There is such a difference between five and seven. Yes. It really is. Woof. Uh, all right. Eagles news. Uh, Britton Covey back practicing. Derek. He's on there the practice go. field. Yep. He's on the he's on the practice. He's fielding punts as we speak right now. Uh, no practice for Fletcher Cox, and I'll get to Fletcher in a minute because because Gunner broke story earlier. No Fletcher Cox at practice, no Marlon uh, Tui Palotu because Ooh. of the triceps injury, and no Cam Jurgens. Those three guys are not practicing today. Britton Covey is back uh, for the Eagles. Derek reported earlier in the show, right off the top, in fact, that he's hearing that Fletcher Cox will not play in the, in the game against the Rams due to that back injury that's been nagging him. It's, this isn't this didn't just happen last week, Derek. This thing's been nagging him for a little while now. And well, he's- it just got to the point where... Yeah, you know, obviously he had to have an epidural. It must have been pretty painful for him.
2: Yeah, and, and it's an injury he's had for a number of years now. Um, it hasn't it hasn't debilitated him for the most part over the past several years. But, you know, you get a little older, it takes a little bit longer to do certain things. And sometimes when it just flares up, and it just catches you at the – plus he played 58 snaps last game, you know. Mm-hmm. And if he's going through back issues and he fought through 58 snaps, sooner or later the laws of averages are going to catch up to you, you know. Um, so unfortunately for him he's out but i like the young rotation they have uh with with milton williams jalen carter and jordan davis you know those three young men can hold it down you know right. they can hold it down on their own they're going to get more reps obviously but i like the trio they have in-house to hold it down until fletcher gets back and let me reiterate again the 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 outlook is they hope to have fletcher back next week for the jets game it's not a guarantee he will be back but they're they're looking at it more positively than negatively. That the prospects of him returning next week are good right now. Good, good. All right, that's
1: that's good news. And and again,
2: we know they can also move some guys over who may play the
1: edge or the end who can play on the interior too. We know Brandon Graham can do that and other guys can do that. So they can they can slide some guys around a little bit, um, for sure. All right. I, I want to I forgot to give you these numbers earlier. So we talk about the home field advantage for the Phillies at Citizens Bank Park, Derek. Yeah. So in the last two years in the postseason, they're eight and two at Citizens Bank Park. Wow. So in their history at the at the ballpark, twenty four and eleven, which is the best winning percentage. Wow. Minimum twenty games in the history of Major League Baseball at home. I mean, you don't think they have a home field advantage when you're 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 eight and two last two years twenty four and eleven since the place opened. That is that's real. That's not perceived. That's not just padding. You know, Philadelphia patting themselves on the back. It's a real thing.
2: Well, that's why it's imperative they get a split down in Atlanta. Yeah, steal one
1: in Atlanta, they man.
2: Steal one in Atlanta because I think if it comes here for two, I don't think it goes back to Atlanta again for a second year in a row. So yeah. it's imperative. You know, this I think this just as we 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 look at the Phillies as bring being a stronger team this year than last year, I think Atlanta is definitely a stronger team offensively this year than they were last year. It's imperative you go down there and get at least one of those games because, you know, they've been sitting at home, they're chomping at the bit to play. You know, now the mindset is we get another shot at this team that knocked us out unexpectedly last year. Um, You know, sometimes you say a layoff, layoff creates rust. I don't see that happening in this particular series.
1: Yeah. I Like, to me, to go into that game one thinking, oh, Atlanta's been, you know, maybe not going as – didn't have to go as hard as the Phillies. I I wouldn't bank on that. I mean, I just – look, you got to get good pitching because this Atlanta offense is insane. I mean, you're going to have to just contain them and not let them get crazy, and and in particular early. They're very good. Atlanta's the best team in baseball at scoring in the first inning. So – what you know go, yeah going there in in a in a ballpark that's going to be loud okay in atlanta and, and they haven't announced yet the phillies are already on a plane to atlanta by the way they they flew out earlier um we haven't heard yet if it's going to be ranger suarez or christopher sanchez i i would guess suarez if i had to guess game 2 is going to set up with wheeler um and then game 3 is going to be nola so and, and the beauty is you can get a game 5 from wheeler also because of the
2: amount of days off yeah, it's a weirdly scheduled. Yeah, yeah,
1: the uh, series.
2: It's very I'm surprised play back to back games. You know, I mean, I understand they don't want to compete against the NFL, but I'm right. su- you have two in Atlanta. I'm surprised you didn't. You know, whether Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, whatever the case may be. I'm a little shocked to spread them out the way they are.
1: Yeah, the way baseball did it, Derek, was um, they they sort of chopped them up in a sense that Sunday is going to be the AL games, Monday okay. will be the NL games, so everybody right. plays Saturday. All right, Sunday AL, uh, Monday uh, NL, and actually, it's great for the Phillies. Like I said, you know, with the just say you had a six oh seven game with the Eagles playing at four o'clock, you know, you're you're still going to be locked in in the Eagles, and you're going to miss a solid hour of that game at least if you're watching the Eagles game on Sunday.
2: So it's good. If they're, they're playing, you say they're playing the AL games on Sunday, correct? Which is bad for the AL cities because let's face it, Minnesota Vikings. Texas Cowboys, Texans. Um, yeah. Who else you got left? Um, Baltimore. Houston, Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Houston. Uh, uh, the way the way the Texans are playing now, as much as people may like the Astros, it's Texan Sunday. Yeah. You know, so it's going to put a dent in, in in terms of local market viewership yeah. and the national viewership for the networks as well. I'm just yeah. I'm just glad it worked out that way.
1: You know, from, from yeah. a Philly standpoint for sure. Uh, all right, let's do some birthdays. You ready to do some birthdays? Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Kate Winslet, uh, forty-eight years old, uh, brilliant actress, man, excellent. Uh, she was great in the Mayor of East Town, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is uh, who is a physicist. Yes, he is an astrophysicist. He is sixty-five years old today. Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's, Mickey D's. Uh well, was born he, of the state.
2: Bought, he bought the franchise from a couple of brothers out in California, was a small, and he he had the vision to expand yeah. it. And so he gets credit for being the founder of McDonald's when actually these two brothers are the True. ones who watch the, the movie. The movie's good. Yes. Never seen yes. it. It's very good. I never watched the movie.
4: No.
1: I think it's Michael Keaton, I think plays Ray Kroc. It's very it's well done. It, and it does. It takes you all the way back to the you know the beginning. There. Okay. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, the actor, uh, who played Mark Zuckerberg, uh, is 40 years old on the, on the social network. Uh, Travis Kelsey. Yes, sir. He's been in the news a little bit lately. You may have heard of him. He's 34 (laughs) years old today. Uh, Chester Arthur, uh, probably the most under talked about president of the United States, maybe, uh, was born in 1829. Chester Arthur. Karen Allen, the actress is 72 years old today. Uh, former game show host Alan Ludden is uh, was born on this day, 1917. Donald Pleasants, who was very good in the, uh, was he yes. Friday the 13th or Halloween? He was really good. Uh, um, it was it was one of those? I think I think it was Halloween. Oh, Halloween! Halloween! Spooky. He had like a shaved head and kind of spooky looking guy.
2: Yeah, uh, plus he was in the, the movie's A Great Escape, Escape from New York, You Only yeah. Live Twice, movies like that. Yep. Yeah, he's been in a
1: lot of stuff, but he was good in those. Uh, Guy Pierce, the actor, is 56 today. The yeah. great, and, and Derek Gunn once had memorabilia from him. Three, three. three. three of them. He doesn't have any now. Mario yeah. Lemieux, the great one. Uh, well, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Gretzky's the yeah. great one, but Mario Lemieux was a great one. Yeah.
2: Plus he's the principal owner of the
1: Penguins now. That's
2: right. That's right. That'd and and, and,
1: a, and a, a good dude. A very oh, good just guy. Genuinely great people. Yeah, he's a great human being. Uh, Larry Fine, the only one of the Three Stooges, Derek, from Philadelphia. He is a Philly guy, Larry Fine. Yes, yes. 1902. Grand Hill, uh, the great Grand Hill, 51 years old today. Bob Geldof, uh, who was the founder of Live Aid, uh, is 72 years old today. Boomtown Rats was his group. Jeff Conaway, who was an actor in Taxi and Greece, is was born on this day, nineteen fifty.
2: Bobby Wheeler,
1: yep. Bobby Wheeler, that's exactly right. Uh, and he was Kenickie in in the movie Greece. Steve Miller of the Steve Miller Band is eighty years old today. Patrick Wah is fifty eight years old today. The great mm. uh, the great uh, NHL goalie uh, Barry Switzer still doing his thing at eighty six years old yes sir uh kelvin sansom the the coach at uh university of houston is 68 years old today michael Pittman, uh indianapolis cult receiver is 26 today what else do you have D gun
2: uh michael Andreni, uh the race car driver 61 laviska chanel the wide receiver of carolina is 25 bill Keane, who came up with the cartoon the family circus one of my all-time uh, favorite that was a great, i love the family circus yeah uh, yes, he was born on this day in 1922. Laura Davies, one of the greatest women golfers of all time. Oh, Australian. Career wins. Yep. Is 60 on this day. She was great. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Did I miss one? Uh, Heather Headley, a beautiful voice, great singer. She is 49 today. Um, and uh,
1: that's it. Okay. All right. Let's do movies. Good movie day, uh, actually, as well. So uh, let's go with the first one, Training Day. I mean, come on, are you Woo! kidding me? Two thousand one. Oh, uh,
2: ain't got nothing on me.
1: There's so many Denzels, man. There's so many. I mean, that's 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 on my Mount Rushmore of Denzel. I, I have a lot of them, but that's one of them. Shoot, but, program him. Oh. You
2: be bringing some Pelican Bay.
1: Uh, you referenced this movie yesterday. The Ten Commandments came out yes. uh, on this day, 1956. Yeah. Uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, 1961. The remake of A Star is Born with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, 2018. Venom, also 2018. Serendipity, 2001. Heartbreak Kid, 2007. Mm. Michael Clayton uh, with George, George Clooney, 2007 as well. 1998 cats what else do you have
2: from 1945 abbott and costello in hollywood and that's it all right
1: that that'll do it and that will do it for the uh for the program all right so tomorrow derek we will get you further set for the eagles and the rams uh we will also dig into uh, a little bit more of a preview of the phillies and the Braves-Braves uh, beat the Phillies in the season series eight games to five. So we'll we'll go a little bit heavier into what some of those games look like. We'll do all those kind of things uh, tomorrow. So we're looking forward to it. All right, I want to thank our guy, Tone DeShields. To Tone, great job producing, as always. Thanks, everybody, in the chat. You guys are the best, there's no doubt. And everybody streaming and listening, we appreciate you as well. All right, don't go anywhere. You have the National Football Show with Dan Cilio coming your way uh for the next four hours and gunner and i will man, be back yes yes sir oh that was quick that was fast man That wow. was fast. that's how we do it that's how we like it boom i to mess up your flow when you're closing out a show i'm boom. sorry no we're in it we're, that's what we do we keep moving okay. all, right. all right uh so i will see you tomorrow my friend and i'll be hanging out with everybody tomorrow have a great rest of your thursday we will see you tomorrow